welcome to the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast where we discuss the lore of the Legend of Zelda series. My name is Crystal, and with me today is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Today we're talking about the Legend of Zelda, the mysterious hat, also known as the Minish Cap. It is a very mysterious hat. Hell of a name for a game, the mysterious hat. It's a good name. This is the fourth game developed by Flagship, which is co-owned by Nintendo, Capcom, and Sega. And so also the fourth game directed by uh, Fujibayashi, who also directed Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. That is quite the selection of games to have to your name. Now, Cameron, even though you like those last two games, you hate this game. You think it's the worst one. (laughs) I'm really glad that Monica managed to make this into a joke long enough that it's become a meme that the listeners get to listen to. Uh, No, I don't hate the game. It's not my favorite of the games. I just don't have the same affection for the Capcom Zeldas that a lot of players have. Well, at least it has the best villain in the series. Good. I'm glad this is where we're going immediately. So if you had to rank your top five Zelda villains, Crystal, how would it be? Uh, It would be Ganon Mandrag, Ganondorf Trackmire, Ganondorf, uh, Majora, um... Uh, the Windfish, <laughs> Nightmares, the Nightmares of the Windfish, uh, and Dark Link. What? Hey, where's Vati? Where's Vati? I don't think Vati is the best villain in the series, or even a very good villain. Oh, why don't you like Vati? I think he has a good design. Yeah, he does have a very good design, especially in his like super tall transformed state from the final battle, where he's like kind of a super hot wind mage. He's got the Loki horns. Yeah, that's pretty good. He's kind of a goober. Yeah, his motivations in this game are just that he's 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 small and weak, and he wants to be a strong boy. That's the same thing as a motivation where he's just an asshole. I, uh, yeah, basically, but I mean, that's the same motivation as Goku. Yeah. He's a hero. I, is Vati the secret hero of this game? No, he's the villain of this game. He's a, <laughs> he's a bad boy. You ever wonder what Dragon Ball would have been like if Toriyama had leaned harder into the journey of the West Parallels and Bulma had actually been the main character of the entire series? Who is Bulma supposed to be? She's the priest. Oh. Yeah. I, See, that, that Let didn't... me tell you. I've listened to the Home for Infinite Losers uh, podcast on AudioEntropy.com. Uh, early Dragon Ball is a bad show. That was some seamless uh, plugging you did right there, Crystal. That's just top shelf. Yeah, when Toriyama was making it a journey to the West show instead of a tournament show, he was just constantly having the characters piss. Well, you're not wrong. There is... And guess what? Bulma has boobs, and we're going to show them. Yeah, it was definitely more of a dirty humor manga back at the beginning, but it's been years and years since I read it, so I can't comment on it very specifically. Then he made the good version, which is Dragon Ball Z. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you can call any of it the good version, so to speak. We're not here to talk about Dragon Ball, although it is the greatest story ever told. Oh. We're here to talk about the mysterious hat. Which, the titular mysterious hat. Uh, which hat do you think it's referring to? Oh, that would be the mage's cap. Ah. Though I suppose it could also refer to Ezlo, the minish cap. Because there's two caps in this game of significance. Yes. Is the hero's cap based on the Minish Cap? Oh yes, this is the origin story of Link's hat. Before they made Skyward Sword. Right, before they made Skyward Sword. It's why it's the first game in the timeline, supposedly, (laughs) according to Nintendo at the time. Right. Although we dispute that. 
Well, it's possible that the the knight's outfit in Skyward Sword fell out of vogue. Well, I guess it never got in vogue. Yeah, because it's a thing. That's the wrong timeline. It's the wrong timeline. Or oh god, who fucking cares? <laughs> anyway, the mysterious hat. A little development background on this game. It uh, started development shortly after the Oracle, the Oracle games, but then it kept getting delayed because they had to make four swords. And then Four Swords Adventures happened. And now this game, which was supposed to be the first game in the series, finally came out in the late 2004. Why do you think it happened like that? Did they just mm. want to prioritize multiplayer games? Is that it? Yeah, Nintendo of 2003-2004-ish was very big into GBA, GCN connectivity and multiplayer. Uh, you remember Pac-Man Versus? In point of fact, I do. Yeah, they were really prioritizing stuff like that at the time. That wasn't a very good set of decisions. Yeah, and then they made the Wii U in honor of that era. And then they didn't do anything with Wii U 3DS connectivity in spite of the fact that they easily could have. But as this game came out, this is the first Zelda game set in Hyrule with an overworld since A Link to the Past. That is 2D. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, that was... It took quite a while before they started even attempting to bring back 2D Zelda. Oh, I guess that would explain why so many people are so harsh on the DS games. Uh, hmm. Yeah, the DS games are a bit of a different style, I suppose. Yes, especially if you ask the fans. Yeah, but they're arguably the best handhelds of this, in my opinion. Well, I agree with you, but I'm sure that will come up more once we actually get to those episodes, which are after Twilight Princess. Oh boy. So let me bring up the the Four Swords uh, intro text. Yes, let's do that. It's it's interesting. Boy, is it ever. Did I say Four Swords? I mean Minish Cap. This is a Four Swords game, though. This is Four Swords 1, the prequel to Four Swords. I always forget that Link actually makes shadow copies of himself in this game, too. Like, it basically takes me rewatching halfway through it to go oh right the four the four sword used to not turn you into gremlins you were just magically multiple people all at once yeah let me see if the manual's different a long long time ago when the world was on the verge of being swallowed by shadow the tiny peekery appeared from the sky bringing the hero of men a sword and the golden light with wisdom and courage The hero drove out the darkness. When peace had been restored, the people enshrined that blade with care. And the force of the golden light, embodied in Hyrule's princess, shone forth upon the lands. Couple interesting things in this intro. Mm -hmm. Number one, the Picori blade looks a lot like the Master Sword as portrayed in the title screen of A Link to the Past. Like specifically, it has that kind of eye symbol on the hilt. Right, you are. You see what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, that looks exactly the damn same. Yeah, so they're kind of drawing a connection here. Maybe this will come up later. Maybe it will. Another thing, the tiny Picori appeared from the sky. They sure did. And they brought the Hero of Men not only a sword, but also a golden light. Yes. According to the legend. Yeah. How, is, and how the are hero you? drove out the darkness with wisdom and courage, but not power. Not power. Nobody likes talking about power. Nobody does. They do the same thing in Earthbound, you know? They say that the three most important things are wisdom, 
courage, and friendship. And one more thing is that the hero's shield does have the Triforce symbol on it. Yes, it does, in the stained glass. What an interesting bit of symbology. Crystal, how are you reading this? I, I, I don't know what the Light Force is. I don't know what it is. I've thought a lot about it, and I don't know. I've got a couple of theories about the Light Force. Okay. Um, hmm. I guess we could, yeah, we could talk about that now. There's no reason not to. Yeah. Sure. So. Just to make it very clear for the listeners, uh, the light force referred to here is one of the two gifts brought to people by the Picari when they descended from the sky. One was the Picari blade. The other was a golden light commonly referred to as the light force. So let's start with talking about the Picari blade. Okay. And, well, it, it kind of looks like the Master Sword, and it gets shattered through the course of the game, and then gets reforged and upgraded, and it turns into the White Sword. Right. Now, Cameron, you pointed something out about that last night. Oh, yes. Um, one of the particular things about the White Sword, most people will think of the White Sword as it appears in the original Legend of Zelda, the Hyrule Fantasy. But it's not the only appearance of a white sword in this series. In Skyward Sword, one of the upgraded forms of Link's weapon, the Goddess Sword, is actually the white sword. More specifically, the Goddess White Sword. Okay. And so we got talking about the creation of the sword and how it could technically be started in the same sort of vein as the Master Sword with a Goddess Sword. Yes. Which is, I believe, Crystal, something you brought up off mic after one of the podcasts. Oh yes, we do have a bit of housekeeping to do regarding the events of Skyward Sword. Which is that when Link travels back in time to defeat Demise in the past, which is the whole basis of our Accursed Timeline theory, he leaves the Master Sword in the past. Yes. And then when he returns to the future... The Master Sword is still there where he left it. A sort of trans-temporal synchronicity. Sure. Time travel in Skyward Sword is fucked. So it exists in both timelines. Yes. Crystal, I believe you pointed out at some point that we're clearly supposed to read it as being a single closed loop. I think that's their intention. That is their intention. But I don't think that's the ultimate effect of the text. But even in Ocarina of Time, it exists in the future and the past. True. And they're very clear there's a timeline split there. Also true. So it's an extra-temporal sword. Well, what this implies is that in the past, the Master Sword is sitting there on the surface, but then the Goddess Sword is still there in the sky. Yes. So it seems as if the Picari descended from Skyloft, of all things? And brought with them a sword and a golden light. Also of note is that the Triforce would still be kept up in the sky. Yes. Yes. Though there is another power that would also be in the sky at that point in time. Uh, What do you mean? So getting into the light force, it is described as a golden light. And humans seem to believe it grants wishes. You see that repeatedly in the text. But... The, the Minish, who seem to have a slightly better understanding of it, simply identify it as a near-limitless source of magical power. 
And as is revealed in the game, it is housed in the bloodline of Zelda, more specifically, apparently, in the uh, the female bloodline. Now, that is an interesting little bit there, and it might be worth talking just enough through the beginning of the game to get to that point narratively so that it will help us frame the different understandings of the Light Force. Sure. Yeah, let's talk about the beginning of this game, because the way Hyrule is portrayed here is interesting. It's kind of very small and pastoral, where everyone knows each other. Link is Zelda's childhood friend, and his grandfather, the smith, is the king's childhood friend. It seems like there isn't really much in terms of class divisions between royalty and the average person. Like, the king is still the king, but there's no reason that peasants can't go up to the king and be like, hey, you want to go get a coffee or something? There's actually some development as to why the king and the smith are friends. Apparently, you get this from their little figurines. They once fought in the annual um, Picori Festival, like the annual sword tournament. And they came to a duel. I mean, a draw, rather. Oh, I see. Came to a draw in their duel. Well, that means that the king is allowed to fight in the melee, and also that you are in no way punished for beating up the king. Yeah. So it seems like the royalty and Minish Cap are much closer to being regular people who get to make decisions about government policy. It's almost like it's early in the kingdom. Before all of this stuff was weirdly codified? Yeah. Do you think that this predates the backstory to Adventure of Link? Uh, definitely, for sure. Yes. So this is just one of those things where the name of Zelda is a coincidence? Yeah. No, we we, we figured this out before. They were always named Zelda by tradition. <laughs> but it was not until the prince that it was decreed by law. Right. I forgot. Foolish me. That's pretty pointless law. It's good. The best laws are the most pointless, as it turns out. Well, you know, it's good to have it on the books. Yeah, I guess. I love the Picori Festival. Why do you like it so much? It kind of feels like the Millennial Fair in Chrono Trigger. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is actually more or less like the Millennial Fair, isn't it? Only less to do, sadly. Huh. Yeah, I could see that. The, The graphics in this game are a bit weird because a lot of the sprite work is really beautiful, but also sometimes the perspective seems off. Yeah, it's one of those challenges that you have with these um, sort of tilted overhead views where your ability to portray things realistically runs counter to interacting meaningfully with the environment. But like people have been making top down 2D games for decades at this point. You think that'd kind of be a solved problem. You would think that, but apparently not, I guess. But yeah, apparently I mean, all the bottoms of buildings angle upwards or something. Yeah. And the stairs are all extremely steep. It's got really nice uh it's got really nice leaves and stuff though. It's got oh, a yeah, lovely Minish, color palette. Yeah, the small Minish world is very beautiful. Yeah, it's definitely visually distinct from the way that they tended to handle how things looked in older 2D Zeldas, especially the handheld Zeldas. Uh, Monica's going to step away for a minute. Okay. Yeah, and it's very much in the flagship style where they're drawing heavily from Ocarina of Time and particularly Wind Waker. Yeah. 
Would you call this in the... Yeah, I guess this is pretty definitely in the tune style as Nintendo would end up terming it. Yes. So one of the neat things about the Millennial Fair that they go to here isn't so much the event itself, though the event itself is interesting. Uh, it's also the fact of running around with Zelda. Yeah, you just hang out together and you you participate in little games. Yeah, you just go and you have like a little fun play date with her. And it's really clear that you're genuinely old childhood friends who have known each other for years and years and have been allowed to grow very close. And the way that Zelda relates to the average person in Hyrule in this game is so radically different from any other version of the character. Yeah, she's not usually a woman of the people. You know what would be really cool with this version of the character? What is that? If she was allowed to actually talk for 90% of the game. Yeah, it would be great if she wasn't a statue for most of the game. It would be super great if the entire game didn't just revolve around the idea that it's like, oh, here's a really interesting take on the character. Now you don't get to talk to her anymore. Yeah, well, that's what she gets for being a girl. That is what she gets for being a girl. Ugh. Okay. It might have been interesting if, like, the the royal family was dressed a little more, like, modestly, I guess, and then if the castle was a little bit more modest. The king looks exactly like Daphnis. Yeah, he just he's just Daphnis as a sprite. Sprite Daphnis. So he at least was definitely putting on airs at the time. So the, the, the way the game opens is that you're going to the Bacori Festival, and it is a lot like the Millennial Fair from Chrono Trigger. And you're running around with Zelda, just having a real nice time together. And she's hyper, hyper energetic, where she'll run around to different parts of the festival. And she's way ahead of you the entire time. So if you want to stand around and talk to folks, you're also going to be chasing her all over the place. And it's really fun seeing that much energy from her. Yeah, she wins you a shield. She wins you a little tiny shield. And that's actually a pretty good... Um, little sequence too because it talks a lot about the expectations that people have in legend of zelda especially in the minish cap and how it's more based on uh i want to say misogynistic power structures than it is class-based power structures because when you sure because she wins the lottery basically and she gets to choose from these three prizes a giant rupee a heart container or little baby shield and she's like oh my god i love the little baby shield and the person running the game is like why would you want that ugly little thing i mean come on this gem is so pretty and this heart container is lovely and this shield is so dinky and ugly she's like no i love it and the person running the game is like you are such a strange princess and it's like hold on princess doesn't mean the same thing in this game as it does in everything else what what the person is really saying is that she's a strange girl for wanting this shield. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just one of the things that struck me. It seems like perhaps the monarchy as such was just based around the fact that Zelda's bloodline carried the light force. Yes. Or maybe? Yeah, that seems to be it. It's like you keep them around in case things have to be stopped. And if somebody can make monsters go away, you would put them in charge. And, I mean, the way that guy speaks to Zelda is not very respectful. No, he's not really worried about her, like, having him put in jail or something. No, 
She's just the girl with the with the light force in her, so she gets to live in the castle. Yeah, pretty much. Which, you know, a decent deal until you get attacked. Oh, we left out the very, very beginning, I guess, where Link starts this game off asleep, as he is often wont to do. And it actually starts off with Zelda coming to the smithy's house and asking where Link is, and the smith shouting upstairs to wake Link up. And that's kind of an interesting sequence because it's almost like an inversion of how Link related to Zelda in the last Hyrule-based traditional 2D game, Link to the Past. Because instead of calling out to him psychically for help, she physically shows up so they can run around together. Yeah, they get at least get to spend two minutes together before yeah. she is kidnapped. Two whole minutes. And he's also given... It isn't actually revealed that the smith is Link... Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Zelda refers to the smith as Master Smith, yes? Yes. Which implies that his name is Smith. Yeah. So Link's name is Link Smith. Yes, Link's name in this incarnation is Link Smith. Is this the only Link to have a surname? Um, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have a surname. I guess that's true. But it's clear that the Smith is named Smith because he's a Smith. And Link is going to be a Smith. He's apprenticed to his grandfather. So would he eventually just so be Smith? Like in, uh, spirit tracks or is he Link, Link Smith? Link. Is, is he Link Engineer? Is he Link Knight? Well, I mean, that same naming convention doesn't appear to exist in other games in the series. How do you know Smith is even his name? What if he's Mas- just the Master Smith? Zelda refers to everyone else by their name. Maybe this Smith has no name. Oh. He's like Kunari. Or like how you would refer to it. Maybe he's so elevated like royalty himself that you can only refer to him by his title, which is Smith. Yeah. So there's a really good farmer out there who's so elevated above the others that he's just called Farmer. His name is Bosphoramus Smith. Woof. And he is the progenitor of the Bosphoramus uh, clan. Okay, yeah, I could buy into this. Yeah, okay. And as Link's leaving, the smith gives him a sword, which he is to deliver to Hyrule Castle. Not the last time we'll see this particular uh, framing device. And the idea behind it is that the sword is to be presented as a prize to the person who wins the tournament for touching the peekery blade or whatever the hell the tournament was about. Hey, baby. Hello. Sorry. You missed the bit where we talked about uh, Zelda gets to be a good character, but not for very long because she's a girl. And also Link's name might be Link Smith. We talked about the tiny, tiny shield. Yeah, the little tiny shield. That's great. Uh, and, and also that the heart piece is identified as a heart-shaped stone. I No, we actually didn't mention the heart-shaped uh, stone part. Yeah. It's okay, so heart pieces do exist. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe stones not. with life essence trapped within them kind of like how peter teal drinks teen blood yeah yeah that sounds appropriate and a good comparison and the picori just leave them around everywhere yeah okay sure why the hell not i don't see any the reason picori are responsible for leaving around all the rupees and the hearts and whatnot and they're dead in breath of the wild oof that's too grim that's too grim Okay, Okay, they just went back to the Minish Realm to escape from the Calamity Ganon. Yeah, or they had a short, um, a backlog of heart pieces. Oh, so they're just like, they spend all of Breath of the Wild trying to make more hearts. Uh Mm-hmm. We need to get into what the Minish are a little bit once we get a little further on. Uh, 
So after Zelda gets Link the little shield, it is found out that... Let's see here. I can't read what you're writing. So um, after Zelda picks out the little shield for Link... Hold on a second. So after Zelda gets the tiny shield for Link, the two of them head over to the castle because the tournament has already ended and a winner has been found and the winner is apparently super strong and beat everybody real easy and now there's going to be a big ceremony where they get to touch the peekery blade which is acting as a seal on the bound chest they do have to murder a business scrub along the way they do well the business scrub keeps spitting nuts at people and it spits like multiple at zelda it hits her directly in the face or something (laughs) yeah she's like ow ow make it stop and Link is like, okay, I'm going to use my shield. And he bounces the nut back at the scrub. And the scrub is like, ow. Oh, I'm sorry. I just get so nervous because nobody buys any of my shit. And Zelda's like, go away, you horrible man. And he leaves. So they get to the castle. And because there is no real line between royalty and the peasantry, Link is allowed to be present for the ceremony where the winner gets to touch the peekery blade. Actually, come to think of it, you can just do the rest of the podcast without me, theoretically. You could. It's not hard. Yeah, but your opinions. It's okay. The The readers can get through this part where the person who knows the least about Minish Cap is missing. We did a whole bunch of episodes without you. Crystal, what would you prefer? Yeah, I can continue the episode. Okay. Oh, this will be interesting. That means that I get to hear everything for the first time while I'm editing it. This is going to be super great. Oh, God. Okay, so... um, (laughs) I can't carry a conversation. You can, so. You do it with me all the time. Uh, And besides, maybe you and Crystal will hit upon your own personal dynamic duo dynamic, and that'll be super great. So Link is allowed to stay for the thing. And the thing goes where this guy shows up, and he's got purple skin, and he's wearing a long, dumb hat, and he's got a cape on, and they bring out the peekery blade, and he's like, Ah, ha, 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 ha. You don't... That's really a stupid point to laugh evilly and say that you're going to do evil because he could have just touched and smashed the the blade. No, no, no. He has to let them know that he's going to do evil, else what's the point? Like, he has to lord it over these people who are around him who think they're so good. And he uses his crazy magic to break the peekery blade. And then the soldiers try to rush him, but he's like, no, get back up off me. And he just blasts them all over the place. And there's just this big whirlwind. And in the middle of the whirlwind, Zelda stands unmoved, surrounded by a golden light. That's after he breaks the sword. Yeah. And the chest flies open. And all the, oh, that's right. He breaks the sword and all the bad shit flies out. And it's just swirling all over the place. And it starts attacking people, but Zelda stands there with her golden light and nothing will go near her. And this person, who has identified himself as Vati, the Windmaid, looks at Zelda and goes, Ah, the power that was granted to men by the Minish in the past still runs in the veins of Hyrule's royal family. Well, so that you cannot get in my way, I'm going to turn you into stone. And he does exactly that. And the golden power that could scare off demons is apparently not enough to stop this particular magic attack. Nope. Well, and then Zelda's not in there for the rest of the game. I was just talking to Crystal about this. They have one of the most interesting versions of the character, period. She's really cute. And then they just take her out of 90% of the story. Yep. Fuck's sake. They pull a Tetra. 
a pull a te- this is worse than what okay it's a phantom hourglass tetra phantom hourglass tetra wind waker tetra got a much better deal than this or i guess this was the origin of yeah the phantom hourglass tetra crystal did you say that the same director for minish cap was also the director for phantom hourglass uh i believe fujibayashi co-directed phantom hourglass fujibayashi you bastard you gotta cut that out the turning to stone thing that's not good about Vati's dialogue, he refers to an aura that Zelda has that flows within the royal family. But after he he turns Zelda to stone, he looks in the chest and he's surprised that the the force is not in there. Yes. Yes. Because Vati operates under the assumption that the light force, which was assumedly also originally from the Minish, is different from the golden power that Zelda has. I think he's just mistaken in this. But I, it, does, it does, to me, seem like he's looking for a third thing. A third thing, which, to the best of our knowledge, doesn't exist. It's the Triforce. Do you think it's necessarily the Triforce? Yes. Why would he think that the Triforce is in the bound chest? It's an object. Objects go in chests. I mean, where else would you keep it? <laughs> I guess maybe... Oh. This is a good point to talk about the Light Force, though. Okay. Um, so I'm the Light Force. I'm going to bow out here. Hey, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> what? 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 Stay for this revelation. Okay, come on. Let's quick then. Okay. So it's described as a golden light, and humans seem to believe it grants wishes, but the Picori identify it as a near limitless source of magical power, and we know that it's housed in the bloodline of Hyrule's female line. Um, near the end, Vati finds out that it is in Zelda, surprise, and starts absorbing it, and if you take too long, she dies when he takes all of it. You skipped to the end of the story with this narrative thing. What, should I not? I wouldn't have. Well, you're not here for this. That's the kind of thing I would have saved to the end. Well, then, how are we supposed to talk? Well, you wait till the end to talk about that part. But, I mean, it's out there now. You'll have to wait till the end. I love to waiting till the end. Oh, you. Well, you're wrong. Oh, shit. Well, I'm not on this episode anymore anyway, so you guys have all the power here. Go so drive and- the car. Uh, yeah, I'll go drive the car. Uh, Monica, when it's finished, you just click this orange button. Yes, the stop button. Yeah, the stop button. I got it. You don't have to worry about exporting the audio or anything. I'll do that when I get back. Okay. Okay, bye, Crystal. Goodbye. And goodbye, listeners. You were so, saying, Monica. Yes, so Cam stayed long enough to chew me out for going to the ending. But, um... Hey! What? I didn't chew you out. That's exactly what you did. Go drive a car, Cameron. He's going. So, to me, you know, one of the theories about the light force is that it's simply the Triforce. This whole golden-y thing kind of tips people off or, or, you know, throws people for a loop. And also the belief that it grants wishes. But the fact that um, taking it away can kill Zelda um, and also... The whole thing about it passing down through the female line. It seems pretty clear to me that it is just the the goddess Hylia essence that is being passed down. That tracks with me. Just a second, Cam is talking off mic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So getting back into this, um, I have around three theories of what's going on here with the light force. Okay. Firstly... Um, that the legends were totally mistaken as to where the light force came from. That it's been misattributed to the the Picori. 
and that I'm you usually know, not a fan of declaring legends to be wrong <laughs> unless we have no other option. Right. Okay. Well, that's just one of three. The second possibility is that the Picori they work for the goddess, and she didn't reincarnate into a human in this timeline. Instead, after her battle with demise, she left only an essence, um, a golden light, which the Minish brought down and which was instilled in Zelda, a Zelda, and continued down the bloodline that way. Okay, I like that because the Minish do gain energy from making humans happy. So it seems like they were almost created to benefit humans. And Hyla would not need to incarnate into human form since Demise is already dead. Yeah. And third theory is that the Minish actually just brought down the goddess's human reincarnation herself down from the heavens. So this theory is that after Skyward Sword, you know, Hylia sends the humans up, up into Skyloft before her battle. She fights Demise, um, seals him and dies. Then Link from the future defeats him and then leaves. The humans come down from Skyloft, but at some point, uh, Hylia reincarnates into Zelda, remembers who she is, and that the Triforce is still up there. So she goes up there to, to safeguard it. Um, she's joined by the Minish, who may have found Skyloft on their own and are doing research on it. Um, then the whole backstory of Minish Cap happens, where the monsters break out, the hero of Man Link steps in and starts fighting. Um, Zelda, in this case, be, having knowledge of um, being Hylia, instructs the Minish on the creation of a new goddess blade, and the Picori blade is formed. Then the Minish descend with her and the blade, and she and Link seal the monsters up in the brown chest with a Picori blade. Um... To make this theory work, she later hides and strips away all mention um, of this whole divinity, um, divine background, except for, you know, that stained glass window at the back of the elemental shrine for some reason. That third one seems a bit complicated. It is a little bit complicated. So you're going, you prefer theory I number I two. I prefer theory number two. Huh. I wonder what Cam would think as to the three. But yeah, I do like... That it is the goddess um, essence. Yeah, I know Cameron likes to think the light force is Hylia as well. I think, yeah, I think we have consensus on that. The light force is the essence of Hylia. Right. However it came to be, you know, established there, that's that's what it is. All the pieces seem to match. Even the goldeny light, really, because the goddesses seem to be goldeny. Yeah, that's that's associated with Hylia. You know, it makes sense how the kingdom was established. Uh, people just came down because the surface was relatively safe now. And the one with the light force became the queen. Yeah. I do think that something was lost. Like, I don't think that the hero of men ever really wielded the light force, so to speak. That was probably a slight aberration to the legend. It's not even actually in the main story is it in the the main prologue i don't think it directly mentions him using the light force yeah it's just brought down hmm. okay so getting back into the main story um where zelda is turned into stone what happens then uh, link gets knocked out and he wakes up and he goes to a meeting with the king and the king says listen we gotta consult the minish on this one 
And the only place the Minish might be is in the Minish Woods to the uh, southeast. So, Link, please go there because I'm entrusting this responsibility to a child. <laughs> and why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? Does he give a reason? I, I think it's because only the only kids can see the Minish. Oh, yes. Yes, it's mentioned that yeah. only so it has to be a little kid. And and Link is pure hearted. Of course. And maybe under six. <laughs> and funnily enough, I guess nobody can see the Minish in the rest of the world, so you know, they think that they're all very far away into the, the woods. Let's talk about the Minish world for a second. Because the way that term is used in this game is a bit confusing. So Yeah, let's the sure. Minish come from a different realm, which is connected to Hyrule through a door that only opens every 100 years. But yes. the Minish realm is also sometimes used to rule viewed from the perspective of the Minish. So I guess some Minish came from the door and established a, a diaspora within Hyrule. They must have. And they're yeah. separate from the, the, the Minish from the Minish realm. Yeah, they must have. All of their little homes seemed okay. quite lived in. I can't imagine that they okay. burst from the door um, and only stay there for the amount of time the door stays open. I think they, they do actually live in Hyrule. Does Vati have like any dialogue distinguishing the Highland Minish from the Minish Realm Minish? I don't think that he does. But let's, okay. we can take a look. I think he's he came from the the proper Minish realm, though. Yes, he is from the Minish realm. I, I, that seems like a plot point that would exist, like conflict between the Black Panther conflict of people from the Minish realm and people who settled elsewhere. <laughs> is wait no? Who is who is Vati in this situation? Vati's like a reverse Killmonger. Ah, yeah. I well, yes. That works. Sent to upheave the world. Yeah. So Link goes to the Minish Woods, and he finds a hat being besieged by some monsters. A talking bird hat. A talking bird hat named Ezlo, who does not initially reveal himself as being a Minish. I wonder why he's trying to keep that secret. Yeah. Or does it just not, not come up? When, when exactly is it revealed? Um, I think eventually... They end up talking about how how Vati was a Minish as well. Because that isn't clear either at first. No, that is not clear at the beginning at all. Right. And then he gets into the whole, like, he was my apprentice because I was a Minish as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess thinking about it, when you do eventually get to the Minish village, Ezlo cannot understand their language. So I guess there has been some divergence there. Wow. So yes, you you go into a little stump, and Ezlo says, I can use my great magical powers to shrink us down so we can become Minish-sized and go into the Minish village using the little holes that are spread all around the woods. I love the Minish realm and just being running around with the, like, the acorns and giant bugs and whatever in view. It's great. Yeah, it's a really cool, really cool style, a really cool hook for this game. Yeah. I don't know if you've read them, but there are these um, these kids' books 
I think there, there's a whole bunch of different series, but there's like the borrowers or the littles. Yeah. And it's all about like tiny people living in the same place as, as regular size people. And they, you know, make things out of like sewing kits or shoes. It's, it's great. I watched that Arietti movie. The what? The Arietti movie based on the borrowers. Oh gosh. Made I by didn't realize Studio there was Ghibli. a movie. Ah, okay. I should watch that. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of legends all around the world of little shoe elves. Basically, I think the Minish are based specifically on an Ainu myth. What are those things called? The Koropuk Guru of Ainu folklore. Oh, and what um. What are these people according to the Ainu? So they lived in their land before the Ainu themselves lived there. And they like to leave little gifts for humans, but they do not like to be seen. Hmm. So they're, yeah, similar to, I suppose, elves in the the European concept. Before elves were, you know, the tall, good-looking um, immortals. Yeah. So. Yeah. Go on. Mm-hmm. Oh, going back to what happens in the the forest and meeting up with the it's the elder of that Minish village, right? Yes. Um, Link learns a little bit more about what he has to do. He needs to get to, the four essences, the four elements. Yes, to power up his sword, which needs to be forged, and um, that will break the curse on Zelda. Now, this brings to mind whether the Picori Blade was the Four Sword in the time of the Hero of Men. Why do you say that? I mean, do, do you think it was? Because all the dialogue here refers to restoring its power. Yeah. Um, well, there isn't anything in the legend specifically that talks about the Hero of Men splitting into, into four or anything like that. So, I'm not sure. The... Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't even necessary for the the hero to break any sort of curses or anything like that, so that part wasn't even necessary, I guess. No, he just needed to kill the monsters and seal them up. Seal them up in a giant chest. Yeah. Hmm. But um, you're directed to get the first um, of the elements, and that one is in a tiny Minish shrine close to the village, if I remember correctly. Yes, you do this whole dungeon in your small form. Which element was it? Um, I do not remember. I see here. It's the, the deep wood shrine and the, the earth one. The earth one. The earth element. Yes. These elements actually, I guess, were used in the Four Swords games. Yeah, they were, they were in the shrine of the Four Sword. That's pretty trippy. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite clear where the... F- uh, shrine of the Four Sword is because it kind of looks like the elemental sanctuary at the end of this game, but that's said to be like a trans-dimensional space between Hyrule and the Minish Realm. Yeah, I don't know. Or it could just be the Wind Palace. In the sky? Yeah, and then it came down. Mm. <laughs> All I remember of um, of the Deepwood Shrine is the, the boss. Yeah, it's just a big old choo-choo. You kind, it's a, <laughs> you kind of forget in this dungeon that you're actually small the whole time, 
But then it very sharply reminds you. Yeah, because it's not it's not even really a giant choo-choo. It's giant to you, but it's it's a regular-sized choo-choo. Yeah, but you're very small. Yeah, that's great. And from here, I can't remember, but I, I'm supposing you get redirected to go up to the, the mountain um, minish where there is a, a minish smith. And incidentally, I think that is also where the, the second element is. Mm-hmm. The the fire element, which kind of looks like a Goran. Yeah, they Gorin do look like the the ocarina uh, jewels. Yeah, but those mm. were supposed to be made by Rauru. Were they? Yeah, Rauru. Does that say that in the the Historia, or was yeah. that mentioned in Ocarina? I believe it says that in the Historia. Oh, because goodness. Rauru built the Temple of Time and sealed it up. Right. Right. He did a lot of things according to the Historia. I, they love him. Yeah, I mean, is this is this an issue? <laughs> it seems like the whole a wizard did it uh, excuse I mean, basically. Cool. It to makes me. sense for him to have built it because he's in the Temple of, of Light and has been there seemingly forever. Um, I guess, but really, the the sages or the past incarnations of the sages would have been could have been involved in that as well. So you think it was more than just Rauru? Yeah, team effort. I mean, sure. He built the temple at time. <laughs> and, and to me, it makes more sense if the other um, sages took part because then they each took, you know, one of the stones and, um, or at least, you know, three of them did back to their own people. Well, okay, but Rauru still gets credit for being the one who stays behind. Oh, Okay. Do you hate Rauru like Cameron does? He, I think, gets a little too much credit for somebody who only appears for, you know, five minutes. You know he's the first king of Hyrule. Is he? We'll, no. We'll get to this a bit later. There's a question involving <laughs> this. Oh, really? Okay. Uh-huh. Let, let's touch on that later. Okay. So Link, <laughs> Link goes to the Mount Krennel and gets the fire mm-hmm. essence. Is this where the Gorons live? Is there a big Goron here? Is there one? There's a big Goron somewhere in this game. Let's see. We're firmly in the era where Gorons are in every game. Hmm. Gorons and Minish Cap. No, he peaks. He appears on Vale Falls. He makes your shield into the mirror shield. Cool. So the Gorons aren't even here on Mount Krennel. They've moved away. No, it appears to be uninhabited. It's, I mean, it's not Death Mountain. <laughs> it's not high enough or hot enough, no. quite frankly. Okay, and I recall um, the the smith um, Milari starts working on the Pricori blade, and they're like, "Oh, go go beat that dungeon, get that element. I'll be done in the meantime." Yeah. What's the what's that second dungeon like? I have not played it. I only watched it, so I can't really speak <laughs> to how much flames. it is special. I mean, there's lava right. in it. I don't think it really grabbed my attention. It's a human-sized mine. Yeah. Get and I the... remember there's little carts everywhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a cane that can flip things about. Huh. And then you just fight Gleok. Yeah, anything special about Gleok? Um, not really. He's back again, I guess. Yeah, I gotta say, dungeon in this game, not very memorable. And there's not <laughs> no. too many of them either. It's a lot like Wind Waker. Yeah. Um, none of them really grab my my attention and none of them really the the items the weapons you get are pretty cool yeah i like like i remember the 
The Gus Jar. Gus Jar is good. I like the mittens. The dig mittens. Yes. And then the the weapon that you get in in the mine is actually a cane that flips things. Yep. That's all it does. Yeah, that's what... Why would somebody make a cane like that? Well, well I mean, have you ever needed something flipped? Um, eggs? Yeah, there you go. Pancakes. Pan- yeah, <laughs> burgers. Oh, yes. You can cook some burgers so real this quick. So this is a cooking utility. Yeah, sure. It's better than a spatula. <laughs> There's Rock's Cape in this game, the best item in the series. Yes, that was great. There's the Ocarina of Winds. What? What does that one do? You can, it's fast travel. Oh, okay. Warping. So at some point, I think after you you get the fire element and the um, reforged blade, you tromp on over to the, the sanctuary and you actually infuse the elements into the sword. And that's when you learn that this allows um, Link to not split into two in that um, having two distinct gremlin entities, but basically a, a shadow copy that does the exact same moves. That is an interesting ability. That might explain why there were not four heroes of men, but there was perhaps one hero of man who had the abilities of four heroes of men. <laughs> that could work, yeah. Everybody would know clearly that it's just one person because they're all swinging at the same time and so on. It's like when a ninja does a special ninjutsu move to make copies of themselves. And and nobody's questioning that they're they're different people. Right. <laughs> what are the the splitting ability depends on there being these glowy tiles, right? Uh-huh. What was the explanation for that? Do they like provide energy? Let's see. Yeah, no, the the only reference in the game that I can find there's two mentions, but just um, on the, the tablets, I guess, in the shrine, in the sanctuary, specify that you need to fill your sword with power, meaning do a charge, and then just walk over the glowing tile. There's no explanation as to what, uh, what sort of weird magic is there to activate this um, splitting ability. It, this game is weird. Yeah, it's like, a, you know, like an NFC key. What? It's like it. So the sword's like an amiibo, and the tiles are like in a, in a me like the thing on the Wii U gamepad. <laughs> and when you put them together, oh. it, it activates. Okay, so you're effectively gathering more amiibo through as you as you go, progress through this game. Yeah, you're you're getting more figurine players, FPS, for this Smash battle. Uh-huh. Okay, Let's see. At some point, I don't remember, it's around this point that uh, Vati, we see behind the scenes, he gets the bright idea of um, turning the king into stone and then disguising himself as the king and telling all the soldiers to go out and search for the light force. So the soldiers also do not know that the light force is in Zelda. Right. Nobody knows that. Yes. And... I I think the townspeople are being terrorized by all of this and having their lives upheaved. We kind of hear a couple of remarks about how terrible the king has become, much like um, A Link to the Past, I suppose. Maybe Monarchy's um, not so good. 
Because someone could do a Is that Vati's... That's Vati's aim to throw down the monarchy? No, I think he just wants to be the king. He's like low-key. Oh. (laughs) Oh, boy. Let's talk about Thor the Dark World. So... I don't remember anything about Thor the Dark World. So at the end of Thor the Dark World, uh, Sif and Volstagg take the ether which is secretly the reality stone, to uh, the collector on Nowhere, the head of a decapitated celestial, because it's not safe to keep two infinity stones in one place. But why would Loki order them to do that? Because Loki at that time was disguised as Odin. Was that right? Yeah, but why wouldn't he keep both infinity stones or get rid of both of them? Um... Maybe the instruction didn't come from Odin Loki. Who would it have come from? Um, the the Asgardian Parliament. Oh, they don't have a parliament. Oh man! It is it is an absolute monarchy. Well, maybe Loki was really trying to pretend to be Odin at that point. Okay. He's and hadn't yeah hadn't started build. writing a play about himself. Right. Before he recruits Matt Damon to play him. Yes. He's a big fan of Matt Damon. Um, back to the Minish Cap, though. <laughs> yeah, back to the Minish We do agree that is Matt Damon, though, right? That's not like an Asgardian yeah. actor. He got Matt oh. Damon from Earth. Yeah, I would say that that's actually Matt Damon. Okay, so back to the Minish Cap. <laughs> back to the Minish Cap, where Vati, as as uh, the king, is definitely not going to cast Matt Damon to play himself. Um, Link, meanwhile... Uh, has found the location of the third element, which is no, the water. this is in the, the water. Wind, wind place, right? The wind place? Um, the fortress the of the water winds. element or the wind one? I think wind is third. Hmm. Now, th- there okay. is some stuff to talk about here regarding the wind tribe, because they're a little bit interesting. Oh, boy. Yes. So, the wind tribe lived with the wind for a long time and eventually gained mastery over it. Then they abandoned the surface and used their wind magic to move their palace to the sky, where it was left suspended there. And they built Mazal to guard the Fortress of Winds. Mazal being a robot. A hand robot. Yeah, looks a lot with like giant Dogan. hands. Yes. Uh, so what's the deal with the Wintron? Um, they're very powerful. Yeah, they also have red <laughs> hair. Yes. They do. They were a candidate for being the Dark Interlopers. I can't remember how they rated. It was pretty high, wasn't it? I think it was medium. Medium? Okay. Medium high. Like like a, like a, like a five or something. Mm. They are definitely very magic capable. Yes. And they, they have no relation to Vati, right? Even though they are both wind associated. Right. For all we know, because Vati isn't really called the wind mage in this game. That may just be a misattribution after, you know, he started taking over the Wind Palace um, later on down the way. Maybe. So, but so, okay, so what's the name of the ancient king? Gustav? Gustav. Yes, he was very friendly with the Wind Tribe. And this was after the establishment of the kingdom. So it must have been yes. after the Hero of Men. Um, and humans must have come down from Skyloft at some point. So are you so, saying what I think you're saying? What do you think I'm saying? That they're occupying that part of the sky where Skyloft was? Possibly, but why did they go back? 
it's a nice place to be in the sky. And like the wind people can actually, the wind tribe can actually walk on the clouds, if I remember right. So they don't have the same space issues as the Skyloftians did. So it's not like they went back immediately. They lived on the surface for a long time. Yeah. They're like dolphins. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's weird to reconcile these guys with the Uka and the Skyloftians. There's too many wind cities. Right. Well, the Uka are a totally different timeline, thankfully. Right. Unless you subscribe to the Historia, in which case I think this is, well, then it's all in a line and there's way too many people in the sky. So these are the descendants. No, there's no Groose. Groose is not around. Who are these well, guys? They could be tangentially related to Groose, I guess. They're related to Groose's great-great-grandpa. <laughs> Um, hmm. there was another thing about the the wind tribe, mm-hmm. and this is something that I'll never forget because it is actually missable in the game. Okay, the wind tribe has the light arrows for some forsaken reason. Huh? Why would they have the light arrows? Who knows? But um, if I remember right, there's an, an elder who is sick and haunted by. Either a ghost or, like, the spirit of sickness. And if you are going to ever play the Minish Cap, listeners, just remember, even though it doesn't look like you're doing anything, you need to use the gust jar and suck at that ghost thing. There won't be any sort of reaction at first, but after a few more seconds, it will be sucked up and that elder will be cured. And that is something you need to do um, during one of your first visits up to the clouds, or else you lose the light arrows. They live in the sky. They build yes. a robot. They have the light arrows. They also have the ocarina, right? Is that where you get the ocarina of winds from? Yeah, I think it's after beating Mazal. So they, they're very magical. <laughs> they're... They've got a lot of the components that... Um, at least with the light arrows that usually belong to the royal family. Mm-hmm. They're friends with the king. Yes. The king may be related to them. <gasps> Maybe too friendly with the king. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> Maybe they got intimate with the king or somebody, a member of the tribe did. And oh, so, so that's why they have the light arrows. Okay, so this is like a, a lost branch of the royal family. Yes, they've got to be. <laughs> and they tried to reclaim the old land of Skyloft. Yeah. Which also was probably very convenient for the Hylian monarchy because, you know, can't have too many of these um, claimants to the throne. And the Sheikah were not around, but they did have mm-hmm. the technology to build Mazal. Yeah. Maybe these are the Sheikah. That's possible. Hmm. Because if we're going by the accursed timeline... There really isn't any... There's Impa in Skyward Sword. Mm-hmm. But then the next mention of the Sheikah would be all the way down in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, they came down from the sky, finally. Yeah, they came down again. Um, the only thing is that their hair color is different, because all Sheikah seem to have grayish hair. That's true. But uh, yeah, everything else seems to work, and enough time, it seems like... No, we know canonically it's... Definitely over 10,000 years and probably closer to like 100,000 or, or whatever on the scale of things. I think it works, though. 
Okay, so these are the Sheikah, and that's why they guard the light arrows and the Ocarina of Wind. And why they have a hand-related um, robot. Yeah. And the Sheikah also built the Tower of the Gods before they drowned. <laughs> oh, no. There are very Sheikah-like elements to the Tower of Gods we talked about in the, the Wind Waker episode. Yeah, and they're not around because they, they were drowned. They are part of the old the old kingdom that must be washed away. Maybe they just blended with the, the Hylians on the islands. Are there any red-haired characters in Wind Waker? No, I'm sorry. That wouldn't make sense. Are there any gray-haired characters in Wind Waker that aren't just old people? Mm, no. No. There's no. Im- there's no. Impa, think... no, no impas. No, I don't think there's any sort of Sheikah-like person in there. Oh no. Yeah, I mean, Impa was the last Sheikah. Hmm. And are there are there no more Sheikah along that timeline branch? Certainly not in Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks. Unless you want to say the pirate attendants are the Sheikah. Nico's a Sheikah. Mm. Let's see. The Sheikah are servants of Hilia, and Hilia is very dead. Oh, it's sad. But, I mean, it's it's true. They don't really, they don't really come up, so maybe. Or maybe these are the people who brought down the Light Force. But I thought that was the Minish. Yeah. No, you're right. It is the Minish. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Okay, so these guys are the <laughs> They Sheikah. went up after. Okay. Link gets the wind element. Yeah. You get the, the mole mitts in the dungeon. Uh-huh. They mm-hmm. they dig. They dig. That's about it. They're like shovels. It is a shovel. Really, I would have preferred if they just gave you the shovel, because I, I know that's a really goofy um, weapon to get, but the shovel is among one of my favorite, favorite items, and it's just so handy and... Um, um, Link's Awakening. I just dig up every single tile. Uh-huh. I think I do this in Minish Cap too with the mole mitts, but I don't know. It's not as cool as a shovel. I think the mole mitts are better than a shovel. Why? Because then you, you can you really feel the dirt. <laughs> but ergonomically, you'll have to like stoop down and like claw around, whereas with a shovel and it's, you know, you can just use, you can use leverage crystal. <laughs> Well, Link is very small, so a shovel might actually be tough to grip properly. Huh. That's fair. That's the fair if be it's not a Link-sized shovel. <laughs> Another thing about the Wind Tribe is that they have been watching everything that's been going on on the surface world. So they are sort of, if not guardians, then observers. Yeah. And we haven't talked about the Kinstones at all, but was there something special about them and the Kinstones? Maybe I'm just thinking of the the golden kinstone required to get access to the clouds. Yeah, how exactly do you gain access to the clouds? Well, um, there are mysterious statues in the wild somewhere, and they they all have a half of a kinstone, which is golden, and. So Link needs to run around and find the other three ha- golden halves of the Akinstones, and fusing them together, um, it makes the statue happy, and you're um, you're granted access to the Fortress of Winds. Okay, that's pretty weird. Kinstones are pretty weird. <laughs> kinstones are a sign of happiness. There's something like that in Skyward Sword, right? What are those called? Yes, the crystals. 
Gratitude crystals. Gratitude crystals, yes. They're kinstones. The Minish... The Minish... Yeah. Okay. So the Minish door was originally connected to, to Skyloft. And they hid rupees and gratitude crystals there, too. Oh, I see what you mean. I was thinking that it's possible that the... This is another sign of the Minish, like, discovering Skyloft and studying all the stuff that's going on there. Okay. Um, and they sort of infused the grat- gratitude crystal element into this this kinstone thing. So that even without gratitude, <laughs> with a simple linking of two, um, two pieces of a kinstone, um, magical stuff happens. Yeah, this is like the iPhone to the gratitude crystals rotary phone. <laughs> yes. Okay, so after the okay. comes water, I believe, is the fourth. What happens with the water element? Where is it at? It's in Lake Hylia, is it not? That'd be a good place to look. Now, previously, we did uh, claim that because it was called Lake Hylia and Ocarina, that Hylia worship existed. Mm, mm-hmm. are, are we going to claim that Hylia worship exists here as well? It may have existed at one point, but... Maybe the origin of the the name of the lake has been forgotten. Kind of like the Minish Woods. They're called the Picori because the first syllables of what they say are Pico and Ri. Why, why did they say Pico and Ri? It's just when you can't understand them, that's the first syllables they say. Oh. I don't know what that means. So have we talked about how the two names thing seems to be an, an invention of Nintendo of America? Is it? In the Japanese, as far as I can tell, they're just called the Picori. Oh. Yeah. Um, I noticed that when looking at the page for the... Um, the Wikia page for the Minish Blade. Yeah. Let me just pull that up. And, like, they mention in the English version that the Minish Woods are called the Minish Woods, but no one knows where that name comes from because everyone knows them as the Picori. But in the Japanese, ah. the, the woods are called something else entirely. Interesting. Yeah, here. Um, in Japanese, the... Well, in English, it's called the Picori Blade. Yes. And Japanese is called the Picoru Sword. But in the other European translations, it's called the Minish Sword. Okay. So it's almost like Nintendo of America is going halfsies. Like the, the European versions just decided we'll call everything Minish. And, you know, Nintendo of America is like, wait, no, that's going too far. We're going to have this weird, you know, split between what the Minish call themselves and what humans call the Minish for some reason. Yeah, that seems weird. And have we talked about how weird it is that the the name Picori is what humans call Minish, but actually the Minish call themselves Minish? Because you'd think that it'd be the opposite. Why? Um... Because Minish clearly is, like, a diminutive form of diminutive. (laughs) But, like, okay, so you're saying, okay. It seems like it's, like, um, a slightly insulting name. Does Picori mean anything in Japanese? I don't think so. Where does that derive from? Let's see. Let us check. (laughs) I I searched up the Anglicization of Picori, Mm -hmm. um, Picoru. Piccolo. And then... Google asked me if I meant Picoro, and when I said yes, it brought up Piccolo. So now we've come back to Uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah, actually, it might just be Piccolo. (laughs) 
Really? Like, yeah, because Piccolo's Japanese name is Picoro. Huh. I guess it's just well, Piccolo? Well, maybe. So Piccolo is a flute. It's a tiny flute. It's, it's, it's a, a very it's a cute flute. tiny flute. It's a small yes. flute. Okay. So I think we've solved the mystery, Crystal. They probably made sounds kind of like a, a Piccolo would. And also they say Picori. So they're called Picori. Okay. And the Minish speak English. So that's why they're called the Diminish. Oh, gosh. The Minish speak English and the Hillians speak Japanese. <laughs> but wait, we talked about Ezlo not getting the language of the, the Minish in the uh, forest. Yeah. So, well... They were speaking Japanese. Well, they're speaking like... They're speaking a hybrid language. A syncretic language. Pigeon. Yes. <laughs> okay, so... Piccolo's a Minish. <laughs> that's, that's what we've reached, yes. What have we done? The fourth dungeon. Is there anything special yes. about the, this water dungeon in Lake Hylia? I remember nothing about this dungeon, so probably not. Okay. We can check. Let's see. Four elements. Temple of Droplets, which is a pretty cool name. If I remember right. Oh, it's frozen. Yeah. And things start to melt. And you get... Um, was it... The, the boss is frozen? Yes. It's a frozen Octorok? Yes, it's a frozen Octorok. And you see, this was the, this was actually a neat part about that dungeon. You see the boss very early on, like in the, the first room or two, and it's, it's completely frozen, and you know that you're going to have to deal with it later. Yeah, that is a fun little thing. Yeah. Um, the main item of this dungeon is the, it's a lantern. That's it. A flame lantern. Yeah, you can burn the water to make it. You can burn the ice to make it water. Yes. That's how melting works. I, I really wish that they had kept the cane, not the cane, the, the mitts as just a shovel. And then you just have the most ordinary household items. <laughs> the link with the most ordinary items. We have a spatula. Yeah, a spatula. We, <laughs> we have a shovel. A shovel. Um, and then a, a lantern. lantern. And a vacuum cleaner. A vacuum cleaner. I like this. Yes. Ah, oh, okay. Um, I don't remember anything else distinctive about this dungeon. There, the, the enemies in this game are um, kind of repetitive. Yeah. I seem to remember in the Minish world, you just have this sort of like a, a ladybug looking like bug thing. And then a, a flying bug thing. And then there's like this slug bug they're all bugs. Probably gnat sized bugs. Not much to talk about. No? Should we move on to the Royal Crypt? Because I think it's kind of interesting. Yes, please take us to the Royal Crypt. So the ghost of the ancient king, Gustave, appears and tells you to go to the Royal Crypt. Uh, let me see his dialogue. Oh, young one, child who seeks to aid the princess of Hyrule. My name is Gustave. I was king of Hyrule countless ages ago. Stand before me. Only then will the path open to you. And the Royal Crypt is kind of structured like a dungeon from Zelda 1. The music is a remix of the Zelda 1 dungeon music. And they're all just kind of like basic rectangular rooms. Cool. I think from here you just get a, a gold kinstone. And what's that one used for? Because the golden ones have very specific purposes, I think. Uh, it's open to you. 
used to open the way to the Palace of Winds. Huh. So does this come before the water? Just a second. No, you don't get the wind element from the Fortress of Winds, I think, is what it is. Oh. What do you get from it? Oh my goodness. You just get the Ocarina. Really? Yeah. This is a weird game. Huh. Yeah, I see here. So you, uh, the order is Deepwood Shrine, Cave of Flames, Fortress of Winds, then the Temple of Dropless, then the Palace of Winds. And that's where you get the wind element, the final element. Okay, that makes sense. And here you use uh, Rock's Cape. The best, one of the best items, yes. And this does seem to be styled in the fashion of Vati's Palace from Four Swords, which was also known as the Palace of Winds. It's probably the same place, yeah. but this is um, that this is the palace that the Wind Tribe mentions they moved up into the clouds, right? Yes. But they don't live there for whatever reason. I... They just use it to house the element. Hmm. I yeah, I guess. Weird. Maybe they did live here, but then the monsters drove them out. It's clearly built like a dungeon, though. There's spikes everywhere. Right. Puzzles. <laughs> Even without the whiz robes or whatever. Not a homey place. No. The boss is interesting, though. What's the deal with the boss? The boss is a pair of Gyorgs. And Gyorgs? Yes. They are these... F- using the same name as uh, Gyorg and Majora's Mask, but these are flying Gyorgs, and they look like... Um, what do you call those? Manta rays? Manta rays. Yes, thank you. A lot more eyes. I don't like I don't like the way these guys look. Flying manta rays with at least eight eyes. No, four at least four eyes and up to eight. And the larger one has those glowing tiles on it. So that Link can conveniently split into three to um to attack the eyes. Hmm. It's almost like they were expecting the person coming for the wind element to have the other elements. Yes. <laughs> but who tattooed the the, the tiles on it? Well, no. Are these the, the wind tribes guy orgs? Maybe. Maybe? Weird. The guy orgs are I guess they could be there. Waker. They're the sharks. The purple sharks. Oh. Huh. One of these podcasts, we'll have to go through and like try to figure out the etymology of all of the um, Zelda monsters. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff with the monsters in The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, and just how they're named. Weird. Um, but at any rate, you beat the two guy orcs, and then you get the... This is when you get the final wind element. Oh, I should also mention there's a, a, a big guy org and a small guy org, and they're male and female, and the female one is larger than the male. Queen Slay. Queen Slay? Slay, slay queen. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to point out that that's the name of the large guy org, and then I'd be like, oh, was that in the figurine description? Hashtag I'm with her. But how do we know the bigger one's female? Because the the figurine says that females are larger than males. Oh, okay. Awesome. Let me tell you, I was watching Marvel's The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the other night, which is a very good show. <laughs> Okay. There's there's one point where they they're fighting a Russian bad guy, and Agent May is like, looks like it's another Russian infiltrating our democracy. 
And I, I wanted oh. to turn off the TV. Yes. A little bit too um, attempting to be too woke. It's it's very uh, much a step down from the last season where they were very clear that Hydra were Nazis, every last one of them, and don't let anybody tell you any different. Minish mm-hmm. hmm. Cap. Yes. It's time to kill Vati. We have the Force Sword. Or we're going to get the Force Sword. We're going to go get the Force Sword. Yes. At the Elemental Sanctuary. And... After you get your sword all powered up, it becomes the Force Sword. They just call it the Force Sword, which is another convenient thing I've forgotten along the way. Let me bring up that line exactly. How do they phrase that? With the power of the four elements, your blade has become the Force Sword. It has become the Force Sword. It's not restored to it. Hmm. Yeah. And what happens then... You can shoot magical link to the past magical spiral light thingies, the kind of spinny ones. Mm-hmm. And you can do that to the tablet at the back of the shrine, which, of course, is the key to unlocking the magical secret room. And Link tromps back there and sees a series of stained glass windows, which explains the prologue of. Of the game. Is it different? Let's see. I don't think that it is. I'm not even sure if this is actually written on the stained glass. Or if it's just... Link is figuring this out through the images. What's going on. Hmm. It doesn't really matter, but... <laughs> there's no writing that we can see on the stained glass. Okay. Um, have, have we learned about Vati and Ezlo by this point? Yes, okay. I think we do. When yeah. exactly is that story told? Let's see. It's kind of loose and on its own in the text dump, so we may have to locate that okay. elsewhere. While we look, just a question, Crystal. Mm-hmm. So, the secret of the Light Force and the Royal Family, it's on some stained glass windows. Okay. And stained glass windows, how they work... Is that there? There's a light shining onto them, and it looks really pretty if you're inside, indoors, in a very dark area. But my question is, what's the other side of the window? Why didn't somebody look at that side? Now these are in the elemental sanctuary. Yes. The other side of the room, well, the other side of the window is the golden skies of the sacred realm. Is that where? Oh, yes. You're right. No wonder. Okay, that makes sense. I was thinking the whole time, oh, this is in the castle, but I forgot about the whole portal thing. Yeah. It seems like this backstory is told after you get the first two elements. Mm. Shall we discuss it a bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing up a dialogue here. Great. That Falvati, what could he be scheming now? Link, I feel I owe you an explanation of what has happened. You see... Vati and I are both Minish. I was once a famous I was once a famous sage and a renowned Minish craftsman. Vati was only a boy when I took him on as my apprentice. But he became enchanted by the wickedness in the hearts of men. One day, Vati took a hat I made for the humans, my pride and joy. It granted the wishes of its wearer. He put it on without permission. And then goes to a flashback where Vati is a very small lad. He is stealing the hat. And Aslo confronts him. Vati, what are you doing there? 
and Vati transforms into a human-sized boy. Oh, what a vile form you've taken. Vile? I am a sorcerer now, and my power is beyond compare. None can stop me. Why, Vati, what are you plotting? This year, on the day that comes but once a century, the portal opens. And when it does, I shall claim the light force as my own. I will be transformed, perfect, and there will be none who can stop me. And then he uses some magic on Ezlo to turn him into a hat. Yes, for <laughs> no real reason. <laughs> I guess because he was just looking at and put on a hat. So yeah. he thinks, I will turn you into a hat too. Yeah, it's like, it's ironic. Is it ironic? Because he uses the hat to turn him into a hat. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. (laughs) But why a bird hat? Is that like a very insulting thing in the Minish culture? Yeah, they hate the loftwings. They kept trying to eat them. Yeah, if I was a loftwing, I would eat Minish too. Well, no, they're a little bit too small. Regular-sized birds, I imagine, would be a big pain to the Minish. Yeah. Oh, I could just see a hawk, like, swooping down and... (laughs) Or even just, like, a little songbird, because they're they're bug-sized. Yeah, they're just going to eat them like a worm. Oh, no. But can they even see them? Because they're not pure-hearted children. Um, maybe that that stipulation applies to humans only. Okay. I don't know. Can a bug really be said to be evil? Or a bird? Yes. <laughs> I I think Maybe not mosquitoes bug, are, they can't you know, think, really. spawn of the devil, but I, I don't think they're necessarily evil. They don't have evil in their hearts. They're just I think a crow is smart enough that it can be malicious. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now we were we got the masters. We got the four sword, right? We got the four sword. We got the um the story about the magical light thing and um oh, the king is here. Oh. Uh-oh. Because the king is Vati. What a twist. And um, he now knows that the magical aura, the mystical aura that he saw in Princess Zelda was actually the light force that he wanted the whole time. To me, I feel like this whole thing about him thinking it's something else in addition to the what was granted to um, and housed within the royal um, bloodline. I think he's actually looking for the Triforce. This is kind of a leap, I know. But just that, you know, he he has, Vati has heard about a power being given, but then there's also this other power. He just doesn't have the right name. Hmm. Where do you think the Triforce is in all this? Well. Because I know you have a theory. Do you? What's your theory? I know you have a theory. Oh, I have a theory. You do have a theory. Oh, I did have a theory, yes. Because in the um, the backstory that we've just gone through about um, Vati and Ezlo, we learned that the, the mage's cap that Ezlo developed, its function is to grant wishes of its wearer. So, in effect, I think it is either a... Um, the Triforce made into a different form, or it is the Minish trying to synthesize the Triforce. Hmm. But I think I've since sort of diverged a bit from that first theory, because I think originally I was like, oh, this is, maybe the cap is just the Triforce. But I'm thinking now, going back to, you know, going back to Hylia and what she may have done um, 
and the past in Skyward Sword and the the timeline that formed out of the past there, I feel like there was a, um, a grand conspiracy, not conspiracy, but some work done by um, her reincarnation to really obfuscate the existence of the Triforce. Right, because no one, the symbol's around, but no one ever refers to it, really. Yeah, it's loosely around. It's in the um, a stained glass art of the on the shield of the Hero of Men. So we know that it was kind of known then, perhaps. But then there was a total stop, even amongst the Minish, and um, they just don't know about it. It's being held by the royal family, in short. Where? But in a secret um, component of the castle. This comes up in, in Four Swords Adventures. It's just a room with a Triforce symbol on it. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of time between those two games. Yeah. But but up until, I mean, up until another game sort of comes up along the way and kind of maybe placed there, I think it's, it's, it makes sense to me to say that it was just safely being held by the royal family. And part of it staying safe is because all knowledge of it had been obliterated. So does, does Zelda even know about it? Hmm. Or is it being watched over by the Wind Tribe? I lean towards royal family just because of um, Hylia's descendants watching over it. But I guess it's theoretically possible it could be with the Wind Tribe. There's time for it to move around, really. But it, it is around. It is around. Yeah, it the doesn't go away. should not create the Triforce as something. No, heavens. <laughs> Nor did they split it up. Yeah. I don't think they would. I mean, unless you were saying that they're very um, somebody touched it and split it up because their heart was in balance. The mage's cap does require a powerful heart to power the wish. Hmm. So are we going to say the mage's cap is just an attempt to recreate in a smaller form the power of the Triforce based on Ezlo's research? Yeah, I'd say so, and this kind of connects them to being like uh, um Hylia's um people in some way yeah i'm willing to say that yeah they're they're into the study of the whole triforce they're here to make humans happy <laughs> um okay so vati learns of the the actual um light force in zelda and he speeds away to suck that out of her body he does do that yes and I think you, you basically have to rush through the, the castle at this point. Is that right? Yeah, it's the final dungeon, Dark Hyrule Castle. Yes. It's, he transforms it into a dark version. What does being a dark version of the castle mean in this case? There's monsters. Mm. Some dark nuts. It's purple. <laughs> purple. Purple's evil. The windows are evil. Their eyes. Yeah. Um, nothing too memorable about this again. There's wall masters. Oh, you know it's evil if there's wall masters. You have to split into four a lot, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I'd also forgotten that Link can use Ezlo to basically float into um, little wind tornadoes. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Why do you think Vati takes on the eye symbol? Um, it looks cool. Is that it? Yeah. Because <laughs> the. What was the the meaning that Breath of the Wild gave to the Sheikah Eye? It was it was the Eye of Hylia. Was it something like that? I recall 
I don't know if this was something we, like you and Cam determined or something that we just loosely discussed, but just the Sheikah symbol of the, the eye and the tear coming out, the tear seems to be like knowledge or power. Yeah. And the fact that the Yiga inverse that so that the droplet is falling into the eye. I feel like the eye is like the self. And so these are the opposing um, philosophies of the two um, tribes. The Sheikah are there to hand out knowledge and power. And the Yiga are taking it in on themselves. Okay. I don't know how this relates to Vati. I, I really do think it's just, it looks cool. And also, Zelda enemies, um, Zelda bosses need an eye. They do need That's where you know eye. where to hit them. Yeah. That's where you fire the arrow and or um, slash with your sword. And um, as mentioned earlier on, if you take too long in some of these sequences, I think specifically near the end when you fight a whole bunch of Dark Nuts, um, Zelda can die. Uh, okay. <laughs> if you take too long, Vati takes all of the, the light force. Okay, and... so that's a timeline split. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, can any Link really take too long fighting Dark Nuts? Apparently. Apparently. You, the player. <laughs> That's really going down a ways because um, Legend of Zelda Link beats up like seven at a time. Yeah, but he is a special boy. True. But. Um, you get to Vati. Anyway, assuming you succeed, you, um, you run up to Vati, who has stone statue Zelda on like an altar of some sort. I have not yet drained all of the light force housed in Princess Zelda, but what I have should suffice. I shall be transformed, unstoppable, but let me first attend to the pesky worms who would trifle with me. Yes. And then he turns into big, cool-looking Vati, which I think is called Vati Reborn, uh-huh. according to his figurine. He looks Majora-ish here. Yeah. Definitely, with the, the robes hiding a giant uh, sideways eye. It's, it's a really cool design. And he's got Loki's horns. Yep. And then. And he's got he... these little. Hmm? No, go on. He's got these little pesky eye monsters. <laughs> the little mini ones that shoot little lasers at you. What is the deal with these eyes? It's his theme. This was his actual theme before they started calling him the Wind Mage. He wanted to be the Eye Mage. He wanted to be the Eye Mage. Yes. It feels like there should be something more here with the eyes. Yeah. But um, after you hit him enough, he turns into Vati Transfigured, which is um, which is him with the center red eye and then like eight other eyes. So Vati ate part of the Triforce. I don't think Zelda ever gets that back, does she? Um... He ate part of the the goddess's essence, I'd say. Right. And I don't think she she doesn't get it back by the point Vati is defeat defeated because Ezlo pointedly um, remarks after you beat Vati that um, we still have the the mage's cap here and Zelda still has a bit of the light force, and I think it's if it wasn't a bit, it's like. Uh, let me just look up the line. So Vati just permanently ate part of Helia? Well, what happens after that, though, is Ezlo suggests that Zelda um, puts on the mage's cap and makes a wish. And see, Zelda is a lot more um, big picture than Vati 
with her wishes. Yes. Zelda is as um, big picture as Link to the Past Link was with his wish. And effectively made everything good in Hyrule again. Turning the people back into people. um, Undoing the damage to the castle. And I think this might as well have restored everything back into her. Okay. Did it restore Vati though? No. Let me, let me no, see. No, it one. didn't. <laughs> Broken. Okay. I don't think she vocalizes a wish, but it, it cuts to everything being better. Yes. Uh, going back to Vati's forms, the mm-hmm. uh, his Vati transfigured form kind of has the eyelashes on top of the eye that make it look more like the Sheikah symbol. It also has sort of the the curve at the edges. You see what I mean? Vati's transfig. Oh yeah, it has the little spikes. That seems really intentional. You know what? Something just occurred to me. Yes. Maybe, maybe the Wind Tribe is not the Sheikah. Okay. Maybe the Minish are the Sheikah. Yeah, that would make sense. They, as servants of Hylia. Yes, they're servants of Hylia, and um. Vati is clearly um, bringing out their eye symbol. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they were here to serve people. And that's another component of, um, wow. Yeah, it's why they were custodians of the light force. Yeah. Okay, and the Wind Tribe are just their own guys. Yeah, we gotta just leave them for the time being. The Minish are the Sheikah, and that's why Vati has an eye that particularly looks like the Sheikah eye in one of his forms. Right, and that explains all of their research into the Triforce and um, all of their all of that technology they have. They're very good at research, as well as a smart yeah. man, like the Shiva. Right, and they're crafting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vati's final form, Vati's Wrath, just looks exactly as he does in Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures. Uh, the figurine description is interesting. Uh, this is the embodiment of purest evil. The final form of the power mad Vati. Its mind is consumed with a hunger for destruction. Find its weakness. Nice. So Vati's brain got broke. That's why that yes. explains why he is as he is in four swords. Yes. If you hit as, someone um... with a sword enough, it breaks their brain. <laughs> well, when they take on too much of a divine power um, and they try to use it, yeah, it, uh, it breaks your brain. And and then it gets into how, as one of our um, listeners pointed out, he gets a little bit of a, a girl crazy. It may be just, you know, lusting after power initially, but then it turns into a bunch of, like, kidnapping pretty girls to marry them. Yeah, that, that part's never really explained. <laughs> well, he's he's not all there after. Yeah, it's making the Minishika makes this more of, like, a, like a classic Matt Damon film dogma. Like, if the Sheikh are like the angels, then Vati's like the angel that goes rogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's, he's Lucifer, the adversary Satan. He, yeah, he takes on the whole path, I guess, as the Yiga do, that, you know, we're not going to help humans or, you know, Hylians. Screw them. Um, we're doing this on our own. Or I'm Vati doing this on my own. Vati is the progenitor of the Yiga clan. Yeah. Yes, actually. Um, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I guess the only thing, um, 
that is kind of a, a stickler in this is how did the Sheikah turn regular sized and back into Sheikah? I mean, they it, it takes them a good several tens of thousands of years to do that, except for Impa. Yeah. Though Impa could have been small to begin with, really. <laughs> Who knows? She She's did. the only one of the kind in Skyward Sword, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the other Sheikah are just small. And she did 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups <laughs> and ran 10 kilometers every day and didn't or, use or, AC. Or magic. Or, or magic. <laughs> I'm saying Impa's the One Punch Man. Yes, that that also is a possibility. Gyurigim kind of looks like uh, Vati. They have some similar design principles. Purple? Yeah, basically. Both goth boys. You think they'd be friends? I don't know. I don't think they'd be friends. I think they'd, yeah, they'd be, they'd hate each other's guts. Yeah, villains don't have friends because the power of friendship oh. can defeat all evil. So if they had a friend, they'd explode. Yes. <laughs> oh boy um okay so zelda makes her wish and the hat breaks because the wish is so powerful and she yes we're gonna assume that she gets her light force back and vati did not permanently eat part of Hylia. yes i think we have to go with that and i th- oh right the the door is closing the minish door so eslo yes. um has to depart but before he goes, he leaves a gift for Link. It is a hat. A green hat with no bird on it. And Link puts it on and Ezlo remarks, Oh, it's the first time I've seen you wear a hat. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he, as a bird, could have just kind of swung his head over. But yeah, that's not anyway, a good perspective. I guess not. Um, and then he goes. And I think the credits happen right yeah. away after that. Um, but there is a little bit of text shortly after the credits end. The first post-credit scene in Zelda? Is it? Um, no, I mean, Ocarina of Time had that. Right, so um, after the all rights belong to reserved by Nintendo um, goes across the screen, there is a bit of text. It says, Thus did Link's quest come to an end. But surely, this is not the end of Zelda and Link's adventures in Hyrule. The legend will continue, as long as the power of the Light Force echoes throughout the ages. Hmm. I still kind of feel like they meant it to be something like the Triforce, or the Triforce, but with Hylia's blessing shining on is is a nice way to put it, too. Yeah, that's why it's called the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yes, I'm going to change that to the Legend this... of Hylia, I guess. The, this final mural connects the four blades of the four links to the four elements. Yes. So we have so Bernie Link. <laughs> we have Bernie Watery Link. link. That, that link is too Bernie, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that's the, the end of Minish Cap. That's, that's the mysterious hat. What did you think of the mysterious hat, Monica? Um, I really, I liked it. I thought it was quite enjoyable. I liked the kinstone trading and fusing and all the stupid things that can happen from it. Though I found it kind of frustrating because it was hard to... Sometimes there was a person with a piece and you just couldn't find a match for the longest time. And in fact, I think you may run into situations where you can't complete all of the um, the kinstone fuses. I think some people just stop asking eventually. Hmm. So... That was the part I hated about the Minish Cap, that there are miss bulls, both in um, these 
Kenstone side quests, but also in the freaking Light Arrows. <laughs> That's weird, because I found this game to be kind of hand-holdy in a lot of places. Yeah. It, it gate-kept a lot of the way, didn't it? Yeah. Even the, the map also, of Hyrule. Yeah, like, the the it's very different philosophy from A Link to the Past, because the map of Hyrule is, is pretty small, and they really just open one part of it at a time. Yeah, you get a square. So, yeah, so this game doesn't really have a strong exploration element. Mm-hmm. And then you're punished for missing certain things. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what I, w- a shame. I would consider this to be among the weaker of the handheld Zeldas. I know a lot of people yeah. love it, but I don't. It just has the aesthetic going, I guess, of the, the small people, the cute world, you know. Yeah, I like I like the Picori. Yeah. And I like the weapons, our household weapons. I love that they brought the Gus Jar back. You want to answer some questions, Monica? Yeah, let's answer some questions. Okay. We oh, before we emails. answer the questions, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes? I'm going to interject some Wind Waker here. Okay. Because it occurred to me a couple of days ago. What if Daphne's No Hanson Hyrule had been a woman? What if? <laughs> I think I started thinking of this because there are so many, the more awkward parts of Wind Waker all revolve around Daphne's being like a patriarch and basically, you know, dictating down how Tetra ought to live. Yeah. So if Daphne's was a woman, you'd, you'd circumvent a lot of that. Although, you know, she would still be very, you know, do this, do that. Your fate is to, you know, to do this for um, the people or so on. Um, it'd be a bit different. And also, it would be different because um, she would then be a, a Zelda who had to take on the same duties as um, as Tetra. Yeah, there's not a lot of mom-daughter relationships in video games or in this series, which is a shame because you could do a lot of interesting stuff with it. Totally, yeah. It because could have been of... Ocarina's Yes, that was the next thing that um, that Cam um, drew from this possibility because there's so much in the the backstory of Wind Waker. We see um, we know that Zelda, uh, Ocarina of Time, Zelda was the only one who could have hid the Triforce of Courage, and you know, then to have that made explicit in the the game would have been fantastic, and um, it would have also been really great um because then she would have had all these lines with ganondorf who she would have interacted with uh, since she's you know adult timeline ocarina zelda so i'm really sad they didn't think of that i'm that really, been sad. really cool yes it, it kind of stuns me because now there's a there's this other version of wind waker in my mind and i love wind waker but it's just this little bit better it is better Ah. Uh. I I'm want glad to see Zelda so not well. kings. Fuck kings. <laughs> We've had too many bad dads in video games. Time to get some bad moms. Yeah. Moms have to have a chance to be bad and not like crazy bad. Just, you know, flawed. Let moms be problematic. Yeah. Where can people send us questions, Monica? They can send us emails to um, our email, which this is the part that Cam always says, so... It's Let me the Cookamadora podcast at gmail.com. 
bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. I got it. Okay. You can also send me questions at Arcane Crystal on Twitter or send them to Cam Ryder on Twitter. Yes. I'm going to read this first email from Ross. Hi, everyone. I've just discovered the podcast recently and have been enjoying it. What do you think about the Kings of Hyrule being reincarnated? Either literally or more as a matter of representation, like how Tingle and Beetle can show up anywhere, anytime. Zelda 2, Wind Waker, and Breath of the Wild Kings all look pretty much the same. Wind and Wild Kings also make similar mistakes in, as you've pointed out, being bad paternal figures imposing their will on their daughters, and ultimately failing their kingdoms. Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time Kings didn't fare much better, with trusting Aghanim and Ganondorf when they really shouldn't have. Mm. Keep up the good work, Ross. Oh, from Saskatchewan. Cool. Saskatchewan wow. is a fun word to say. What do you think it about is. this? I think I'm more of the theory that um, Hylians just kind of resemble their ancestors. And that's why we have all these Melons and Talons running around that are clearly not the same Melon and Talon. Um, and Tingle and Beetle. There's clearly a, a strong uh, kingly, king-looking streak. Though, you know, um, Breath of the Wild Link, uh, Breath of the Wild King, um, Rome, clearly married into the family. Yes. So, I don't know, maybe all the Zeldas tend to pick similar guys, too. That's my theory. I, I, I can think of it as reincarnation. I could get behind that. If Link's reincarnate, so, why not the kings of Hyrule? Hmm. Well... I know Cam gets all over the reincarnation of Link thing, but Zelda's just pass on through the bloodline. So maybe... That's a form of reincarnation. Yeah. I think this is just... um, This is the problem of monarchy writ large. A lot of them are all all bossy on their daughters. And a lot of them make very bad life choices to trust in this mysterious wizard person that appears. Yeah. Including Rome, actually. With the um, the mysterious okay. fortune teller that is mm-hmm. in the um, sidelines of Breath of the Wild's past. Yeah, similar similar events play out over and over. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the king designs, you know, they all look similar, but they're all sort of the basic stereotype of a king, which is an old portly guy with a beard. Yeah. Which brings me beard. to the idea that Rauru was the first king. Oh. Because Rauru, although Rauru does not have any chin hair, both Rauru and Gaepora also kind of look like the kings of Hyrule. There's Although Gaepora is a good dad. <laughs> There's text in... Was it a Sheikah stone in Ocarina of Time that remarks that um, Gaepora is a, was a sage or something? Am I getting that confused? I believe that's a gossip stone, yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, not a, uh, yes, a uh, gossip stone. What I call them? I said Sheikah Stone. Kapora. So you think that it may be they're both ancient kings or that they're the same person? I think they are part of this line of reincarnation. Obviously, ah. Gapora is not a king, but maybe Rauru was the first king of Hyrule in one of the timelines. What if um, Kapora Gabora is just Rauru? In like the uh, the the sacred realm is effectively the spirit 
form of him because he's dead. And now instead of possessing a boat, he's possessed an owl. Like you, th- you think he he took over an extant owl? Yeah. Okay. Sure. This owl provides a lot of dialogue, <laughs> but I mean, especially if we think that Raru is an ancient king, um, you know, and another thing that all these ancient kings seem to do is um, be ghostly and possess people <laughs> or th- yeah. objects. Cam's gonna hate this because we're just giving Raru even more importance. <laughs> he hates Raru's guts. Yeah, we just made him into um, the the guiding owl. And actually, then he could also possibly be the guiding owl um, in, like, Four Swords Adventures and all that. Yeah, maybe he's 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 always Kepora Gebora, except for Majora's Mask, when Kepora Gebora is the goddess of time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, in the, in the Hyrule Historia, it is mentioned that Rauru building a Temple of Light was... Not too long before the establishment of the kingdom, and the uh, the Hyrule Castle was built right next to the Temple of Time that he built. So maybe you know he essentially founded the kingdom, or is considered like a direct ancestor to the first king, like Julius Caesar is to Augustus. So I get it. Um, well, I love this, but I know not everybody ships the way I ship. Um, which is every Link and every Zelda, but Skyward Sword Link and Skyward Sword Zelda are clearly a pair. Yeah, and that's so, <laughs> so they had a kid, and was the kid then like the first king, and was it Raru <laughs> who then built the Temple of Time? I think I think there was a little more time that passed between all that. <laughs> okay, I think okay. Every Zelda gives birth to a Raru, and if. Zelda's partner is a Link, then there's the, f- the first child is a Rauru, and the second child is a Link, and the third child is a Zelda. Wow. Huh. Okay. <laughs> That's or why maybe... Zeldas are always so young, because they're the last born child. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, maybe Links, like, turn into Rarus. Okay. So there's two siblings. Link just gets really portly in his age. Okay, so Rauru was a Link, and then he brought some donuts <laughs> oh, no. to the Sacred Realm. Oh no. Okay. Oh boy. I can just picture Cam hearing this and then editing all of this out. <laughs> Cam, don't edit this out. Don't edit don't this edit out, it out or Cam. edit it back in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next question. Are, we have sure, this, next question. there's two more questions in the um the email. Yeah, we got so I'd some like emails. To thank our listeners. Thank you for sending us emails. We love emails the most. Yes, they're our favorite type of question. I'll read the next one. It's from Daniel. Daniel asks, Are there any fan works of Zelda that any of you have discovered over the years and are particularly fond of? Also, have you read the Wind Waker manga, or will that be safe for spin off discussion? Well, um, I I have not read the Wind Waker manga, though I've read a fair number of um, the Himekawa mangas. Um, I love how they're all very Z-Link. In, they, they ship Link and Zelda in every single one. That's great. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I prefer to keep it to the, the games um, or to, to fanfics. Do you think Link and Tetra got together? Yes. Yeah, every now, Link, every Zelda. Now, that that's an interesting one because 
there is a relatively short gap there, and the link of uh, Spiritrax is not a member of the royal family. Um, my running theory with that is that some links strike out on their own, abdicate. Okay. <laughs> um, as far then, as... So uh, that Zelda's line has double the link genes? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not necessary. Yeah, and also, eventually, they all... Uh, the links... Um, the 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 bloodlines go different ways for a little while, but okay. <laughs> for the sake of genealogy. Did Ocarina Link and Zelda get together? Yes. In both timelines? No. Uh, the adult one was not, not possible, but that very tragic. You, you don't think Link did it with Sheik once? <laughs> oh, maybe. Well, well, that's kind of getting into very fanfic material. Yeah, speaking of fan works... <laughs> No, I've not read yes. any of the mangas except for the one in the back of the Historia and the Wind Waker Four Comas. Mm-hmm. But we will discuss them. We will have to do like a fan or a spin-off um, discussion or three, definitely. As to favorite fan works, um, I love Zelda fan art. So many are so beautiful. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Zelda fanfics in that... Um, Goodness, there, there are many, there are a few that are very well written and have great ideas. And those are the few that I, I really treasure. Then there are some that are just good in concept, but not necessarily in execution. And that's understandable. You know, writers need to hone their craft over time. But oh my gosh, there's so many terrible fanfics out there. <laughs> that's any fandom. It's any fandom. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot easier for the cream of art to rise to the top than it is for writing. Yeah. I think it's hard to just identify which fics are good and bad. Like, at art at a glance, you can tell immediately, oh, this is beautiful, or this one is not, really. But fanfics, you have to go in a little bit, and then, you know, after a while, you, then it hits you, like, oh, this is this is terrible. Though I, I have a running game of going into a fanfic and, you know, if there is a, a pretty bad typo in the first sentence or two or even in the fic description, I I die a little inside. Oh, <laughs> I, Monica. Yes. A lot of these are written by children. I know, I know, I know. I, I was one of those children um, and vaguely remain one of those adults, I suppose. I can't really call any good fanfics. I would never name and shame a bad, bad fanfic, except for the really terrible Christian um, one where, like, Zelda, Ocarina of Time Zelda did not convert to Christianity and doomed Hyrule that way. That one was terrible. What were you thinking, person? Uh, okay. <laughs> Hold on. Was, can, can I ask you questions terrible. about this? Sure, yeah. Was she given an opportunity to convert to Christianity? Oh, yes. Yes. I, I remember this fanfic very vividly. Um... It was around, I would say, when um, either Majora's Mask or Wind Waker came out, or, you know, around that period of time in my life. So um, the running, so this story was focused on the seven years when um, Link was asleep, and um, it focused on Zelda running around and trying to do things, and uh, preparing for the return of the hero, and averting uh, detection and disaster from Ganondorf. But she had a a maid who a servant who was human without the the pointy ears and there were a bunch of humans and there were these um these discriminated peoples of hyrule and mocked for not having the ears that could hear the gods 
and that maid learns that she is that the her people humans worship Jesus Christ and um eventually she ends up converting as does Impa and um they basically tell Zelda you have to convert and you have to focus on getting the rest of the kingdom to convert to Christianity and Zelda's like no Ganon's going to, you know, go crazy soon and ruin the world. We have to stop the threat of Ganon. And this is portrayed in a negative light, as in she has doomed the world to not being converted. All because of her, you know, physical focus on this one <laughs> bad guy. I was so upset as a child, I, I tell you. Um, I think I wrote a very angry review that may still be on fanfiction.net there. About, you know, mm. how absurd it is to inject such a thing into um, the Zelda universe. <sighs> um, but the, I think the thing that got me was it was actually not written poorly. That was one where it was it was written well, but just the, the ideas, the concepts behind it were terrible. Wow. The, the one fanfic that I want to call the, the focus on and it's, um, it's critiquing or criticizing them. There's a lot of good fanfic out there. There's a lot of good fanfic out there. Yes. Um, and I I guess I, I can't call any of those into too much focus, but I do love the little strains of um, themes that seem to run in fanfics from time to time, such as with a lot of um, Z-Link fanfics with Breath of the Wild. It's a lot of after the fact, um, Link and Zelda going to Link's house in Hatano, and I, I, I love that. Or, you know, just other things there, like the, there's a, a long, um, large group in Tumblr that focuses on the Lincoln Hylia ship. And I find that adorable too. Hmm. Just how that first hero um, might have been in a relationship and interacting with Hylia. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Cam also writes some Zelda fanfics. I don't, <laughs> I'm oh, not going to, to name his handle. Hmm? You want to call them out? Um, I won't mention his, I won't mention his handle, but he has written quite a few good ones often. uh, A couple that are still in progress or on hiatus, but, um, I I like, I like everything he writes. I'm a little bit biased in that regard. He's got a very good one focusing on different, um, different chapters or different stages of Gandorf's life. Oh, that sounds Which he really should... Yeah, he really should write more of that one. But look forward to that on the future episodes. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're gonna find it, aren't you? Oh, sure. I'm good at Google. Yeah. Are there any fanfics or fanworks you'd like to call out? Um, I don't read a whole lot of Zelda fan fiction. I like Zelda mm-hmm. fan art, but yeah. I, no artists come to mind. There was a Link avatar that I had for a long time. I wonder who drew that. I can probably look it up. Oh, yeah. That one's great. I always think, and this is the person who's probably going to get all the attention, but the that artist, that Japanese artist who drew the large classical painting yes. of, like, so many Zelda characters, that is, of course, I think, the pinnacle of Zelda fan art. But, um, I mean, there's so many good ones that um, it's it's hard to really say, you know, this person is the best or... Is somebody that should um, we should particularly focus on. Mm, I'm going to find this guy. I'm trying to think of other fan works. I do really admire 
Zelda cosplayers. There's some really yeah, good... Yeah, Zelda cosplay is really good. Yeah. And just um, looking at all of the people who do ooh, all of Zelda's outfits and, you know, the the embroidery, the the fabric dyeing, you know, all of that. Just, wow. Cosplay's gone a long ways in the past um, few years. Cosplayers are extremely talented people. Yeah. I will find this artist. <laughs> Google image search, they really killed it, huh? They did. It's like not useful at all. Everything's Pinterest and then the Pinterest doesn't leave anywhere. I think somebody on one of the podcasts that Cam and I listened to, um, Important If True, ex- oh, yes. explained a way that you can screen out Pinterest um, oh, yeah, minus from Pinterest, the Google interest. Minus site Pinterest.com. Yeah, that's great. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh my god. I'm sorry, Cameron. You can edit all this out. But I will find this artist. Take your time. I'm, in the meantime, going on to AO3 and fanfic.net and seeing if I've faved anything uh, it's, that I want it's to mention. Man Re. That's M A N R E E R E E. You can find them on Deviant Arts. Hmm. Good job. Hello, everyone. Cameron here. Those two sure have gotten up to some shenanigans in my absence, haven't they? I wasn't going to interject or interrupt any part of the podcast, but there is one specific thing I wanted to speak to. See, folks, we have a lot of fun here, but one thing we take very seriously is the importance of fan work. Fan work is the lens through which we see how we see the Zelda games but it is also the means by which we can transform them into something more meaningful for ourselves. Like Crystal and Monica said, fan art and fanfic are both great, allowing us to explore elements and themes that the games have no time or no interest in unpacking. Just as important, though, is the simple work of talking about things. The most important thing I've taken away from Book of Medora, itself a rather expansive fan work, is that a transformative interaction with the Zelda games can enhance and enrich their meaning, adding new layers of complexity to what might otherwise be much less rich text. It really says a lot, the way we interact with these things. How we transform them speaks not only to the work but to ourselves, and I think it's important especially for a series that often has trouble representing the people who play it, that the players be able to see themselves reflected, even if only in how they talk about it. Also, neither Monica nor Crystal actually subscribe to the idea that Link's share a bloodline, and Monica definitely doesn't think that Spirit Tracks Link is descended from Wind Waker Link. Ha ha ha. Oh, the shenanigans these two get up to. Well, back to the podcast. (sighs) Okay, we have another email. Yes, we do. This comes from Jacob. Dear Tall, Monica, and Cam, what happens to Hyruleans when they die? For a series that's heavily preoccupied with goddesses and religion. There's not much to indicate what the afterlife looks like. Is there some kind of heaven? 
Or does the eternal reincarnation of the hero, and the recurring appearances of characters like Tingle and Beetle, suggest that reincarnation is the norm? How do spirits like the Pose factor into this? Thank you for all your work on the podcast. I've really enjoyed your Wind Waker episodes. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. I appreciate that you like our episodes. So, okay, the Pose, there are humans that are Pose. Yes. But also sometimes the Pose just seem like monsters that happen to look like ghosts. Yes. And the... The Stalfos that rise from the ground in Ocarina are definitely the victims of the Civil War. Yes, the Stal kids. And also, reincarnation does happen. Yes. Uh, Twilight Princess refers to a mistaken belief that the Twilight Realm is the afterlife. Hmm. There does not seem to be a heaven as such. Yeah, and we'll get more into this in Skyward Sword, but I think of the um, the ancient cistern and the... If it's more on the Buddhist reincarnation line, I think that makes sense. I guess we don't know. And Hylians probably don't know either. Yeah. Uh, As far as I can tell, spirits just stick around. And sometimes they become undead. And sometimes they reincarnate. And sometimes they just don't go anywhere. The, The hero's spirit seems to stick around because it's not at peace. But, um, who knows? Maybe there are some... Some happy ghosts. You've hmm. never really seen a happy ghost, have we? No. They're usually of the the restless, unaccomplished unaccomplished sort. They have something left to do. Including in uh, Link's Awakening, right? With the ghost that wants to return home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Poor thing. And of course, the sages are ghosts, and the king's a ghost. They have stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. But I think but afterwards, not... they, they go away. They're at peace after things have been accomplished. Right, but they aren't they aren't monstrous the way that Poe's are. Oh, right, they're not Poe's. Or Stalfos. Mm-hmm. So there can be benevolent ghosts, if not happy. Yes, definitely. And the um the Zora Queen is also another one. Yes. But there's no afterlife. There's no none of that. Yeah, that we know of. Hyrule is such a um a golden land. <laughs> it's heaven on earth. Except for all the other times where, you know, it seems like every five minutes something bad and evil breaks out, but outside of that, it seems like a very nice place to live where most people are happy and have what they need. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We do have some questions in the question document. Oh, great. How do I find that? We have been recording for nearly three hours. Have we? <laughs> oh my yes. gosh. But we'll oh. finish this episode, goddammit. Let's finish it. Let's finish it. Okay. I wouldn't have thought that Cam was the person that gives us uh, direction. Well, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Okay, I'm here. Jake, the, first the first one, one, I shall read the first one. It's from Jasmine. Are Force Gems Chaos Emeralds? There's too many are, Force Gems. Yeah, there's only the seven Chaos Emeralds. Though if the Chaos Emeralds were split up into many, many, many different ones, I suppose they could be. But there's eight colors of Chaos Emeralds, right? And... There's only like four for forced gems. Yeah. I'm on it and probably not on this one. Yeah, they're not Chaos Emeralds. I'm sorry, Jasmine. <laughs> Next one comes from Mike Blaze. Fuck, Mary kill, elect with the four links. Oh my god. And, and I take that to mean the four swords, four links. Yes. They're children. Yeah, that's the thing. So no, no effing. None no of marrying. No marrying. Uh, no killing. And they're definitely not sued for office. Yeah, not yet. So I'm going to go N slash A on all of these, Mike. 
<laughs> Agree. Next, Caleb uh, says, really enjoying the podcast. I really enjoy your theory on the cursed timeline and have some thoughts of my own. The curse of demise, I think, would have been attached to both Link and Zelda and not to demise in the past in Skyward Sword. So that curse would have traveled with them forward. However, I do believe the timeline splits at this point. The people of Skyloft in this timeline would have returned to the surface with no Zelda or Link. In this timeline, Hylia is not reborn as Zelda as there is no need. Instead, the people begin to build their version of Hyrule. This timeline would bypass Ocarina of Time, but would need a similar narrative, which is a link to the past. The Triforce is not represented at this point any of the three. Um, at this point in any of the three, Zelda Link or Gandorf slash Ganon. And Gandorf unopposed seeks out and finds the completed Triforce. There's quite a bit more, such as uh, Gorin's never setting, settling in Hyrule, but I feel I've been long-winded enough. I'm curious how you would view this split. Okay, well, there's a, there's a couple things here. Uh, I guess we could work backwards. As far as Gorons go, they're in Minish Cap, but obviously its place in the Accursed Timeline is not 100%. Hmm. Uh, but they're not in any of the other Accursed games. Um, they are in the Four Swords games, which we've placed in the Accursed Timeline. Not in any of the ones later on after that. Um... Oh, by the way... I- is have we discovered anything that would really contradict the four swords placement on the accursed timeline? I don't think so. Okay, so we're going with that. Yes. From the hints yes, forward. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, I, I, oh, because Cam's not here, I have to thank Caleb especially, um, because that was a great. I know that Cam wanted to thank him. Um, he really liked the idea of the curse being brought forward. Um. Apparently, the, the Accursed Timeline Theory was something he came up on a, a quite a rapid whim, let's just say, as he mm-hmm. does with most of his theories. And he thinks that it's definitely tenable that um, the curse could have been brought forward as well. So definitely, I think that portion can work. Um, I don't like the idea of the curse being brought forward, personally. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I buy into Cameron's bullshit about Ganondorf, <laughs> which is that he is... <laughs> A uniquely special entity and yeah his power is his own and unrelated to demise yeah i think um cam prefers that as well but um he's open to possibilities and alternatives i think that um the other part is uh, there's no n- need per se for Hylia to be reborn as zelda but right. um certainly it's it's something that um she might do anyway Firstly, because uh, of um, watching over the Triforce. And um, secondly, where would all my Z-Link go? <laughs> oh, wait, wait. If So there would never have been the Lothwing Knights in this timeline. Yeah. So this is the origin story of Link's hat. Hmm. You're right. On this timeline. On this timeline. Link did not wear a hat until this point. Wow. It's great how the um the the accursed timeline benefits so much of the um all of these games and their convoluted stories that are often contradictory. Yeah, take that, Reggie. We made a better timeline than you. Woo! The Caleb makes a good point that the the only game on this timeline that has the whole 
avatars of the Triforce thing is a link between worlds, but most all the other times the Triforce is usually something that remains whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, and also for much of the um, accursed timeline, the Triforce is something that stays outside of people. Yeah. Um. Definitely in all of the um like Legend of Zelda um. Adventure of Link, Link to the Past. Um, I think even this stays consistent. The Four Swords and Minish Cap games, it, it's being stored elsewhere. It's not really until Breath of the Wild until it's taken into Zelda. Yes. Shall we move on? Yeah, sure. Uh, friend of the show, Simben from Teenagers with Attitude, the Power Rangers <laughs> podcast on AudioEntropy.com, sent us a few questions in the Slack. Let me read the first one. I'm copying some more because it keeps sending some. Oh, great. Thanks, Simbin. Wow. <laughs> Did Hyruleans have a concept of hats before the Picori? Uh The answer, Simon, is yes, because people wear hats in this game. Yeah. I think the Smith wears a hat, right? Yeah. But maybe they were influenced by when the Picori first came. <laughs> maybe. Definitely the style of the pointy hat. Um, it's a Picori thing. Yeah. Pointy and hat is their thing. The, yeah. the Phrygian cap. Next question. If Bigron put Ezlo on, would they shrink to the regular Goron size, human size, or Picori size? Uh, um, uh, hmm. I think that um, they would shrink to Picori size because the the whole shrinking thing is Ezlo doing his magic casting a magic spell to get into the the um, appropriate size of the Picori. So even Big Run would turn into a tiny Picori size if magicked. So Link is shorter than the average human, being that he is a child. Mm-hmm. Is he then proportionally shorter than the average Picori? Um, maybe? I think that if, if Ezlo shrunk... A bunch of humans, Link would be proportionately shorter than all of the other humans that were shrunk. But maybe the Picori themselves, you know, see themselves as being slightly smaller than the average human. I don't, I'm not sure where this is going. But so then Link might be at the same okay. height. Do you see what I mean? Okay. Being a different race, they, they self, they shape their self a little bit smaller. Or I guess they shape Link a little bit bigger. Okay. Uh, why doesn't Link just punch through the ceiling of the tiny dungeons and squish the boss? <laughs> that's cheating. Yeah. That like, is that is totally cheating. That's like Android 17 attacking someone when they're powering up. Which they don't do. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Okay. Yeah. It's bad and because, sportsmanship. Yeah. Part of the reason you um, you go through dungeons as Link is you hone your, your spirit. So you can't do that if you just, you know, kind of stomp through a, a miniature ruin also, it's like a historical site. You shouldn't, like, destroy ruins. Not that that's ever stopped anyone in, in Zelda, but you should try. Considering the Picori are the ones that hide rupees in pots and such, were there Picori on Skyloft? And are they still around in Breath of the Wild? Are they, like, seriously diminished in Breath of the Wild, <laughs> considering how rare loose rupees are? Mm, I, I um, think they were around on Skyloft. They could have been studying and researching there already, yeah. Given that they're the Sheikah. I, I do not think they're around <laughs> in Breath of the Wild. I think they're dead in Breath of the Wild. Oh, no. Um, I don't know. Maybe they all left. Maybe they got tired. Maybe they turned into Sheikah. That's why it's diminished. Well, that's why there's so few, yeah, they, few rupees around. 
Yeah, it's like how the Kukiri turned into Koroks. They just turned into big Sheikas. Yeah. Well, they they clearly have magic to change their size. Maybe everyone is... Yeah. If everyone's Minish size, that's why the world's so big. What? Oh, no. So they shrunk everybody. Everyone would be... Yeah, everyone shrunk. No, that would change every... Like, that changed physics. I mean, would it? Yeah. Like, can't, like, walk on water or... (laughs) I can't go with that. Okay, sure. Yeah, they, um, were, they were around on Skyloft. They're not around in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, because they've they've changed in size. They're the Sheikah. Jasmine um, says, points at first dungeon centerpiece, barrels of fun. I love seeing minecarts in a 2D dungeon design, especially with the animations. What are aspects of the dungeon design you wish you could come forward to Breath of the Wild? And is this a separate question? Two, Link Sleep, Zelda Politics, Big Dress Up Fun. No, I think she's asking what, which, what these would you like to come to Breath of the Wild to. Oh, sorry. That was on a separate line. Wow, I, I read that completely in a silly way. I'm sorry. Okay, let me re- restate that. What are aspects of the dungeon design you wish could come forward to Breath of the Wild 2? Link Sleeps, Zelda Politics, Big Dress Up Fun. Um, uh, I mean, Breath of the Wild was supposed to have shrinky stuff in an early design talk. It would have been nice to have a shrinky dungeon or have to have dungeons. Yeah, I I think it's really interesting. If there had been um, Minish in Breath of the Wild, you would see it from a very far away and maybe it would just be like, you know, you wouldn't even see the mushroom. But you'd come closer and there would be a grove of mushrooms. And you'd be like, oh, time to pick up mushrooms. And then you'd go closer and you'd see that there's something on these mushrooms. And then you'd look closer and you'd go like, holy shit, there's tiny, like tiny houses or windows and, you know, a little clothesline with, you know, clothes drying. And then you'd find the, the thing that you could shrink down and explore that whole village. That'd be awesome. That would be pretty cool. But they would need a, the advanced processor of the Switch too. Yes. Well, <laughs> definitely some better engine, I guess. Uh, more dress-up would be good. I, mm-hmm. I like playing with Barbie dolls in video games. Uh, Zelda politics would be good. I want Zelda to be a divinity dragon commander. Yes. And, I mean, Link Link does sleep. Yeah. He better sleep in each one, I guess. He does sleep in every one. <laughs> Instead of running, yeah, I guess. In most yeah. of them. I want him and, to be a sleepy boy is forever. Is there anyone where he does not sleep? Uh... Ignoring some of the earlier ones, I don't know, um, Majora's Mask? He sleeps. He does? He falls asleep during the storytelling, I guess. Yeah. I seem to associate that game with Link not sleeping at all, really, because he's getting everything done. But no, he does fall asleep, I guess. Do you, th- hmm. huh. Do you think Link's, like, moving at Quicksilver speed or something? <laughs> um, Bunnyhood speed? Yeah. Because he, he does, you, you bring up a good point that he does not sleep for 72 hours unless he yeah. chooses to. Right. Well, I, I've aren't played... Those 72. Go on. Mm-hmm. I've um, done the run-through of Majora's Mask where you try to do, like, absolutely everything in one go, in one cycle. And that includes not doing the whole dungeon, but uh, beating the boss for the area. And it's doable. You can do all of the the really important, you know, um, side quests and um, make a lot of people's lives better. So I, I think it's totally possible that he didn't sleep and um, managed to do all of that. Doesn't eat either. Yeah. Hardworking Link. It's almost like he's dead. No. <laughs> no. No. We're not. 
Yeah, no. we're not doing that. But it is almost like he's some sort of angel called upon from the heavens. From another world. A stranger in a strange land. <laughs> the next one comes from Gwen. Are birds hats or are hats birds? Hmm. Neither of these things are the other. There can be hats that are bird-shaped, but I guess there are no birds that are hat-shaped. I I mean, what if you're like uh, an upper-class 19th century woman and you just straight up wear a bird as a hat? <laughs> I guess that could happen. Are we talking about like in the world of Zelda or like in, in the real world? Uh, both, both, I guess. Both? Okay. Well, in, in Hyrule, I think... It's distinctly possible. There are definitely hats that look like birds. And I would not be that surprised. I'd be a little surprised, but not that surprised if there was a bird one day flying around and it was hat shaped. But I would be really surprised in the real world if that was so. I hope you agree. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Next one comes from Tabletop Gamera. Would you like to fuse kinstones? Yes. I mean, buy me dinner first. <laughs> No, you confuse kinstones with anyone, and good things come along. Okay. Including sometimes weirdly like a, a weird golden crazy version of a monster, but then it drops a lot of rupees, so it's still a good thing. Yeah, sure. I'll fuse kinstones with you. Tabletop Gamera. <laughs> Greg asks, is it related to the sorting hat? I assume the minish cap in question. Yes, all magical hats are related. So is the sorting hat um, a minish? Well, no, but it's a distant cousin. Oh, okay. What are some other magical hats? Um, I can't think of any magical talking hats. I will make a Google. There is a Yu-Gi-Oh card called Magical Hats. Okay, that's as far as I'm getting. That's also related to the Minishka. Okay. They're all related. I'm okay with this. Is this one spam? Uh, it appears to be written by a human. Huh. But the question isn't when particularly... When I read their TL. This one comes from streamermarketing.com. Why isn't it online? Uh, the GBA does not have online functionality. Thank you for your question. Great. Tyler asks, Where's the last kinstone I'm missing? Oh, Tyler. It's hard to say. Again, I think some kinstone fuses are missable if you've advanced the plot. Um, I think you can manage to just grab random ones if you just repeatedly buy bread in Hyrule Castle Town, and just hopefully you will spring on the right one to, um, to fuse that kinstone with someone. But that's a lot of rupees, and it's like a random chance to get the right, uh, shape and color. So I'm not sure, Tyler. Sorry, Tyler, we can't help you. You should consider calling the Nintendo Hotline? You need a time travel machine first, but yes, that'd be helpful. Next one comes in from Elixa. What is Minish Cap? Yes, we've touched on this. Minish Cap may refer to the Mage's Cap created by Ezlo, or it could be Ezlo himself. Ezlo is a great partner. Ezlo is a good partner character. He's very quippy and grumpy, like an old man grumpy. I guess that's all I have to say on that. (laughs) Yeah. Our final question comes in from Veronica. And it's a good final question. Should I play Minish Cap? Hmm. Um, yeah, um, Veronica, I think it's worth it to play, but I would prioritize other Zelda games first. There are definitely a lot other, a lot of other Zelda games, 2D Zelda games that are, I'd say, better. 
Um, so do those first before coming over here. But I think it's worthwhile to play every Zelda game, except for maybe Adventure of Link. Until it gets remade. Oh, that one hurt. Did it? I like I like Zelda 2. I like it in some ways, but it's just too hard. Zelda it's very 2, grindy. Zelda 2 is a better game than Diminished Cap. Really? Yes. Veronica, play Zelda 2, and then you should play Diminished Cap. Oh, boy. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I'd say that's a game where it's safe to like use save states. Some of those monsters are just way too... Way too tough to figure out. Oh yes, you should absolutely cheat. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying play it on the NES. Oh, so your version of playing it comes with cheating. I can endorse that. Yeah, cheat away. Just give yourself the invincibility. Oh boy, this is this was a long episode. This was a long episode. <laughs> we just keep going without Cameron here to keep us on track. Uh, is it because he he usually cracks down on uh, when we start talking about? Uh, when he gets sidetracked, he usually pulls us back in very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> we, was, the Minish Cap is not a, a super story-heavy game, but we did spend three hours on it. Yeah. and it's, But I don't even feel like it was that, um, that long story-wise to discuss. It was really Link realizes he has to reforge the sword and get the four elements. He gets the four elements. He beats Vati. That's the end. That's my 30-second roundup. Oh, and Zelda Stone. I don't know how that became three hours. I forgot to put out a question post on Twitter until like 30 minutes ago. And I also forgot to look up a Zelda joke because I'm a very good professional podcast host. <laughs> That's okay. Take your time. Mo- Monica, you want to stall for me? Sure. How How do I stall? I don't know um, what's going on. You got any recommendations? Recommendations. Zelda-related recommendations. Doesn't have to be Zelda-related. Oh, just random recommendations. This is my random recommendation to read the um, the Shattered Earth series by N.K. Jemisin, the first book of which is the fifth season. It is a terrific uh, fantasy trilogy, all of it being out now. The first two, I think, won the 2016 and 2017 uh, Hugo Award, and... The third one might as well. It was it was excellent. Um, it's set in a a world where the it's unstable. There are a million earthquakes and other sort of calamities that um, re- repeatedly try to destroy the the world. And um, of the humans that try to make their life there, um, there are a few um, people who have the power of orogeny which is the ability to um, basically earthbend. They can control the tremors of the earth. Um, and it's just different things with like the energy therein and so on. But it's, it's great. Um, written in a very... Um, it's, it's by an a African-American uh, woman. And um, she worked as either psychologist or psychiatrist. I can't remember which, but... She does a great job of building the minds of her characters and how they think and making them very human. And the whole story is sort of a um, reflection on uh, gender and race and um, cycles of tragedy and and the the harm that you bring um, to people that you love. 
even more so than the people you hate. So it's great. Go read it. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> Was that enough stalling? Uh, my condition, go watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Sorry, were you saying huh? something? How many seasons are there? I, I Skype cut out, Monica. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I was wondering if that was enough stalling, but I also wanted to ask oh, yeah, how I many did. seasons. Go on. <laughs> how many seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are there now? Uh, there are five seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah, that's some hefty watching. And it's all on, all on Netflix, if um, I remember correctly. The first four seasons are on Netflix. The fifth season is currently airing. And it is the best show currently airing on television. Hmm. The good place? More like the good second place. Nice. You remember, you can send us questions at bookofmadorapodcast at gmail.com. And check me out on Twitter at ArcaneCrystal. And check out Cameron on Twitter at CamRider. But don't check out Monica on Twitter because she's pr- very private. <laughs> yes. Direct your and questions make sure elsewhere. To, make sure to check out other uh, podcasts on the Audio Entropy Network at audioentropy.com. We got lots of podcasts. We got a Digimon podcast. We got a Dragon Ball podcast. Uh, we got Homestuck podcasts. We got a podcast where we objectively and scientifically rank every video game according to quality. I'm on that one. And there's a Teenagers with Attitude podcast you mentioned. Yes. That one's about Power Rangers. Sounds fun. And uh, the person who did our podcast art is Tor Kirby. Go pay him to make some art for you at torkirby.com. And now, at last, a Zelda joke. Yes. This one comes from the Reddit thread. Some classic Zelda jokes from an old issue of Nintendo Power. However, this one is written in a reply by the Linguist Gamer, and appears to be an original joke. Why did Link go to the Dongo's Cavern? Why? Because he figured nothing could go wrong. Oh. <laughs> All right, everybody, goodbye. Bye. Bye.